Hello, dear friends. Today in the Alatra TV studio, we welcome the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, the previous video caused a wide response among people, as well as a surge of insights and understanding. Many letters came to our editorial office. People began to literally expose the system, to find those stereotypes and all the points you talked about. The editorial office of Alatra TV received a lot of reviews from people all over the world, and in those reviews people share their innermost. They especially note the last hour of the video, which gave a practical experience of understanding the real, deepest feelings. Many people say that for very many years they were striving to understand this, to feel and learn to live by this. And they express their huge gratitude to you for showing what the deepest feelings are and how to live by them. The truth is always simple. I would also like to note that after the release of the video there was a wave of discussions on the internet about the manifestation of a bluish glow which people noticed behind you in the frame, Igor Mikhailovich. And indeed, the editorial team got a lot of different inquiries, both official ones and simply questions from people, so that the film crew of Alatra TV somehow commented on what it actually was, whether it was a technical error or they were involved in any way. So the film crew made a special video on this topic, where the participants in the shooting process told that they didn't do anything on purpose, that the video editing was done as usual. Could you comment on the situation? As a matter of fact, there's nothing to comment on. My stupidity got exposed due to my negligence. So, what else could glow there, oh Godness? I'm an ordinary man, a simple masseur. What halos? There's nothing except calluses. So, But it is interesting that you've noted. Still, some people paid attention to the essence of the conversation, while some people paid attention to the external. Well, people are attracted by what they see with their eyes, right? Right. And it is interesting that when this topic began to be discussed on the internet, people who didn't pay attention to this at the first view began to wonder when it happened and at which moment exactly. Meaning, there were those who didn't notice this at all and began to pay attention only after the conversation about it had started. And what's more important? The essence of words? Or their external form? I will depart from rules and immediately begin with a small parable. One day a dervish was walking and he heard a call in the middle of the night. He came up and saw a man sitting in a well. He said, listen, how did you get there? The man said, you see, I'm a philologist, last night I was walking, I couldn't see, lost my way and fell into a pit. Oh, brother, don't worry, I'll quickly run to get a rope and a ladder, and I will take you out of there, the dervish responded. The philologist said, excuse me, good man, but I'm a philologist, you're not expressing yourself correctly, and your word combinations are somewhat wrong, and pronunciation is wrong too. The dervish responded, fine, if my pronunciation is more important to you than the essence of what I wanted to do for you, then you'd better sit there for a while and wait until I go and learn to express myself correctly. He turned around and walked away. So, 
What difference does a person's appearance make? Well, the funniest thing is that people really pay a lot of attention to this. Why? Because everyone wants to seem, but not to be. Because the form is much more important for people, because they perceive it with their eyes. Let's say their ordinary, habitual, external eyes. Why not open up and look at it, for example, as a brother is talking to a brother, as a friend is talking to a friend? Well, at least from this perspective. Then it doesn't matter what he looks like if he is your friend, right? Then you don't discuss him, you don't look whether he has something glowing or not. How do I know? Maybe light was set up in a way that somehow this got exposed, maybe stupidity manifested itself. I'll do my best to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Anyway, that's not the point. Therefore, it is better to address the questions which people are interested in and to which I, as a simple person, can answer, if people are interested. Although, on the other hand, it is funny, of course. Allah gives many riddles, but not everyone can solve them. People also ask, why does it happen that, even being among their relatives and loved ones, they feel that they are alone? People are mistaken. Everything is not that simple. A person is never alone. Even if it seems to him that he's alone, he's not alone anyway. There is always someone with him. The question is whether it is an angel or a demon. Igor Mikhailovich, one of the questions which was sent to the Alatra TV email is that in the videos with your participation, it is said that a person should save himself by working on himself. However, they quote from the Bible that the Savior himself said that only God can save a human. I will probably quote from the latter. How can a human save himself if the Savior said that God can save a human? And further, they quote an excerpt from the Gospel of Matthew. It is chapter 19, yes. verse 25, isn't it? Yes. But it was worth looking a little above, at least from verse 16. It is clearly said there that a young man came up to Jesus and asked him a question. He said, how can I save myself? Jesus told him, keep the commandments, do not murder, do not steal. The man said, I have kept all these from my childhood. What am I lacking? Jesus told him, go sell your possessions and follow me. The man was very confused and went away. And here Peter got worried and asked him, how is that? Then who can get saved? And Jesus answered exactly about the rich, that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't mean that a rich person cannot enter it a priori, no. It's just that a person is clinging to the earthly, that's the point. In this verse it was precisely meant that a person, even clinging to the earthly, but he is doing a lot, and at certain moments in his service, when he himself doesn't even realize that he is serving, but he is doing it all wholeheartedly, then he cannot go into heaven himself. But for God everything is possible, you see? And here, for his great merits, let's say, before people, first and foremost, before God, the Lord can take him to paradise. Exactly this case was meant. When God takes him, 
that it's impossible for a human, while for God everything is possible. But in fact, a person should come by himself. That's the point, that's the idea. If he doesn't come by himself, no one will help him. If he doesn't accept God, then how will God accept him, right? Yes, everything should be mutual. Absolutely. That's the whole point. People cling to fragments of some phrases from some scriptures. They cling to some visible phenomena, to what they see. People need what is convenient and desirable for them. The same in the external. They seek some confirmation, some miracle or something else. However, external miracles strengthen only the mind and position of Satan in a person, while the true miracle takes place at the spiritual level, that's when it strengthens the spirit. The external cannot strengthen the internal. This is true. Let's imagine, for instance, that in order for people to become stronger in spirit, to really move away from earthly things and think about their future a little, I emphasize about their future, it is necessary for this to perform a more serious miracle, visible to all, I will ask simply, if I bring down fire from heaven to earth, will this make people stronger? What do you think? I don't know, probably not. Okay, if I awaken dormant mountains, will this make people stronger? At the inner level, I think no. All right. If I throw oceans on the shore and they wash away the land, will it make people stronger? No. But what else can strengthen them? the inner choice and decision? Right. So it's necessary to be more careful with a desire for an external miracle. It is coming anyway. Thank you. Igorya Mikhailovich, you've just said that everything depends on who inside a person is looking. You once mentioned regarding a mirror. When a person looks in a mirror, who is he in it? Who is the one looking in this mirror? Could you please expand on this? There's a deep meaning in this. Okay. Let's play with you to make it more interesting for us and our friends. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? A body. An angel or a demon? Externally, I see a body. Internally… What do you see? An angel or a demon? It's hard to say, I don't know. Don't lie either to me or to yourself. Answer as it is. After all, the truth is of primary importance. In spiritual matters, lies are inappropriate. An angel. And every stray one sees an angel, because a demon always sees an angel in the mirror, mm -hmm. while an angel sees a demon in a mirror. Sorry, but you should work on yourself. Thank you. There are ten universal human commandments, and if we address various sources, Muslim, Christian and those of other religions, we can see that these commandments are found in almost every religion. If I may, I would like to quote a little from different religions. For example, one of the commandments is do not murder. Yet why have you started with the commandments which… they are important, but why not with the first and main commandment? 
You mean love the Lord your God? And the most fundamental thing is not just love, but God is one. Yes, this is indeed present in all religions — Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism. And here a question arises — if all the commandments, all the principles are given in every religion, then why today is it difficult for people to embark on the right path and not to do evil, but to follow the inner? What do you think, why? Why do people behave like this? They choose so. What do they choose? Not to follow the commandments, not to follow the inner. And why? Comfort zone. Comfort zone, demons whisper and so on. That is, a person lives by material things, right? And the reason is that people violate the very first and the most important commandment. Whatever we take, I really take from what was brought by the Prophets. After all, the first thing the Prophets mentioned was that God is one and He has no co-creators, and there is no one higher than Him. This is said differently in different languages, whether we open the Quran, the Bible, or any other source, whatever we open, whichever religion we look at. This was mentioned everywhere. I emphasize that there are no co-creators, and there is no one higher than Him. He is one. But people always rank themselves among co-creators. Let's look at any religion. In order not to offend anyone, we don't take anyone personally. But let's talk in general. None of the Prophets came and said, I am higher than God or I am equal to God. A human cannot say so. He's a human. Yes, he is endowed by the will of God. He is endowed with the Holy Spirit. Why? Again. I shall digress a little bit and explain why and what, because many people argue about this, and simply because, let's say, they've read fairy tales written before them by people. After all, no prophet ever wrote anything, not a single word. A prophet is forbidden to write anything with his hand that is for people to understand. That's the first point. The second point is that God speaks through the prophet, 
but again through the mediation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, so that there is an understanding, He never removes or adds a single word. He fulfills God's will. Why there is such a chain, and why does this happen? Also, if we refer to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and so on, that people started speaking other languages after God had settled in them, or the prophets prophesied something, these are all fairy tales. By external appearance, a person was no different from other people in this world. His consciousness remained as well, but he, the one who became a prophet, could restrain and control it, and it became for him like a computer for you, but for communication in this world, because he already lived by other things. When a person… I'm again digressing from the topic, but it is also a very important point. When in the previous video, and now, and this will be for a long time, believe me, for a very long time, we will always come back to that point from where we began. And so when people come into contact with this, they understand. Why? Because what is inside is much more important, right? Yes. So, coming back to where we digressed, God speaks one language with everyone. This takes place by means of the living language. God cannot speak the dead language. And when the Holy Spirit enters, He also speaks one language. He enters a prophet in order to speak with the dead in the dead language. This is a very important point. But what happens to people? A prophet has never equated himself to anything. He didn't put himself about the one who brought him this good news, or the one who endowed him with this gift, and all the more so, not about God, and he has never equated himself. All this takes place among people, in disputes. In disputes about whom? About God. They start proving, my prophet is superior, your prophet is superior, my prophet has this, and they begin to invent, that is, these are pure fairy tales, they write fairy tales, and they start believing in them themselves, and make others believe in them, and make people perform those fairy tales which they have written. Why? Because they live by their minds, not knowing the truth. And what happens to a person who has read a lot of fairy tales? He waits for a miracle in the external, doesn't he? Yes. Let it come down on me, I'll see it, and then I'll believe in you. For I am a son of God, or I am your child, the Creator. I'll say, it may be offensive or wrong, but I hope that adults will be watching this, and children won't. Tell me, do you care about your egg cells? Or do any men care about their spermatozoa? No. Do they know them by their names, how they live, and how hard it is for them? And why? These are your potential children, after all. And the entire phenomenon here is in the word potential children. Yes, the first moment has passed, and people are already people. They have a little sample of life. But this isn't life. This is existence. And it is given for a person to consciously gain life. Because initially it is given unconsciously. Is that right? It is. Whereas now he should consciously become the one who will live forever. He should become equal to those who live forever, and he must deserve it. And he should live by the Spirit, because you get what you accumulate, right? Isn't that so? It is. That's the point. Or is the point in whose Prophet was stronger physically, or who worked more miracles? What miracles did the Prophets work? None. 
A prophet cannot do that. God works miracles. This is within His power only. A simple question. Has the Holy Spirit actually worked any miracle? And what is the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll return to this a bit later. No, He hasn't. Has at least one angel ever worked any miracle? No, it hasn't. God works miracles. There was no one equal to Him, there is no one, and there won't be anyone except Him. Well, people liken themselves to Him. And who in a person likens oneself and why? It's a good question, isn't it? The demon does. Of course the demon. And the demon is nothing other than our consciousness. There is the devil, that which we call this world. And there are demons, there are a multitude of them. Just as many as we people with consciousnesses are, that's how many demons there are in the world. For you to understand, the demon won't go anywhere. It's impossible to perceive God through consciousness. Otherwise, chicanery begins. People themselves write, they themselves put commas, and then start believing in these commas, and make other people believe too. Whereas a prophet comes and speaks, even though he speaks the dead language, he tells the dead people so that they become alive. Do you see what the point is? Yes. And so that they hear the living voice, the true voice. Then they become alive. Thank you. For what? For revealing. Am I revealing anything? Not me. Thank Him. And this is right. Also, regarding the Holy Spirit, the point is that today there is relatively little information and it is more of a generalizing character. The information about the Holy Spirit is limited to religious interpretations and arguments about who the Holy Spirit actually is. For example, who does the Holy Spirit come from? From the Son and from the Godfather, or from God through the Son? And this becomes a ground for discord between various religious denominations. No, this is merely a pretext for ruling over someone. If we look at the first thing people do, they create for themselves conditions for power. They begin to create a comfortable life for themselves based on the true knowledge brought by the Prophets. And they find subtleties here. And regarding these subtleties, which they themselves invent, you see? When a Prophet expresses himself and conveys, it's very difficult to talk about the alive in the dead language. They speak by means of images, visible and familiar images and the like, so that people could understand at least something. If they don't know how to feel, if their inner eyes are closed, how is it possible to show at least something greater to them? Therefore, Prophets express themselves in such a way, so that a person would perceive and feel this at least a little bit, at least through his demon, through consciousness. And proofs in their words are always such as to bewilder consciousness a little bit, you see? But taking into account that the demon is cunning and crafty, he begins to dodge, twist everything and so on. Yet, when a person is endowed with the Spirit, the inner power awakens in him. But who endows him with the Spirit? A prophet? No. No. People who hear the word, which is true, they heed it, if they are not in pridefulness. Well, pridefulness is what? It's again the demon. Of course, consciousness hasn't brought anyone to heaven, and this is impossible. Although many people say, prove it logically, or they say here or there, if you are someone or something, 
You should know all the scriptures, right? Well, there are a multitude of scriptures. There are many, yes. Certainly. If something has come from there, it should know all the scriptures, every letter in them. How can the alive know about the dead? It knows the essence of all scriptures and the truth embedded in them by the first prophets, while the fact that people have placed commas is their problems, right? It cannot know. It surely can, if it wants to. But for what? That's the point. The point, yes. Of course. And when a person perceives even the Holy Scripture, any scripture, regardless of religion, if he looks with the earthly eyes, he cannot understand many things. And all this results in disputes, in some proofs and so on. But what has this been done for? For the purpose of simply messing with one's brain. You see, a smarter and more cunning demon forces a more stupid demon to serve him. But the demon, this is to make things clear, the world of demons is like a mirror reflection in its smallness, worthlessness and temporariness. But all of them are united. Actually, if we may say so in order to make it clear, every small demon is a part of a single devil, or a part of the system and the like. That is, our consciousnesses are connected in a certain way. This can be easily verified. There are four types of people, meaning four basic demons, that are actually present in them. They are stereotypically almost identical. This is not psychology, these are not some tricks or something. This is really so. If we talk to people and ask them one most elementary question, then basically, in a short period of time, four answers will come to them. We can take a thousand, a million people, but only four answers will come to all of them in a different form, depending on, let's say, their habits, their intellectual development and so on. After all, consciousness should develop. You need to train it, and it is really possible to make it very smart, competent and so on. It will contain a lot of information, and then its associations will be more numerous, brother and the like, or you can be satisfied with a little. In principle, consciousness is consciousness, it's enough for it to execute what it executes. That's enough for it, as they say. This demon, a half-educated demon, will give you fewer associations, well, something like that. But there are always four. Why four? Why are there approximately four answers to a question that can have a thousand different answers? Because everything is stereotypical. In any situation, almost the same thoughts come to all people. There are seven notes, and there is plenty of music. Music, yes. That's how he plays on our consciousness. He has seven notes, but he produces such symphonies that people believe in these fairy tales. That's the point. Many people are really interested, those who search, they feel, sort of understand and so on. What is the world of God? It is kind of closed for people, even those who just start following the path to God. They do feel, but they don't understand yet. I would express it in one word — happiness. Just constant happiness. It is said that everything can get boring, right? But happiness cannot. Happiness cannot be temporary. That's exactly the world of God, which a person should strive for. For this purpose he is here, that's the meaning of his existence. While everything else, all this discord, all these scandals, 
that people arrange, it is actually, you know, like political parties. They divide in order to rule and control. And why? Because, as we already said, they are controlled by demons, because people are people. The question is not about them, everything is clear with them, they are not near God. The question is about people who listen to them. How can you follow those who don't have God in them? And how can you make anyone your idol? Why do people follow either one… I'm trying to say it so it wouldn't be offensive – person who poses as… well, as a priest, it's a general phrase, either one priest or another priest in one and the same religion, who begin to say, here the comma is in the wrong place, it should be there, while the other one says, no, the comma is wrong here, it should be there. And so people get divided into two denominations, for example. It is somehow funny. Who is higher? I'm just asking people a question. Not priests, everything is clear with them. They can now be indignant and so on. But the question is different. Who is higher? God? or a person who leads you. If a person looks at another person, considers him more saintly, and believes that this one should be listened to, while that one should not be, he is mistaken. Just like those ones, the first and the second one, who argue about commas, but not about the essence, not about the meaning. Do you understand? Yes. It's impossible to divide what is given. And this is indeed a big human problem, unfortunately because people are guided by the devil. We already discussed this. I kind of don't even want to repeat. You can watch the previous videos that the essence of the devil is exactly in division. He divides people. People are divided, even in their consciousness. Well, let's say, even here we are sitting next to each other, we are sitting separately. Even the people closest to each other are separate while with God they are inseparable. He's much closer than the carotid artery, and this was mentioned by the Prophets. And people feel this, if they didn't feel it, that's one thing, they do feel. Even those who consider themselves opponents of all kinds of religions, they consider themselves atheists, they still… Yes, there's some kind of a universal mind. They don't know what to call it, but inside they know that there is something great and boundless. What's the difference what to call it? All these are epithets. People have agreed and call it God, right? Well, if we call it differently, will the essence change or what? Of course not. Of course not. Worlds are numerous, but God is one. That's the point. And no one can be higher than Him. And what can be more important than His Word, the true Word? That Word which ignites a person from inside like a candle. That word, which makes the inner world flutter like a butterfly when it hears this word, that responds even to its slightest vibration. What can be more important? In my opinion, nothing. Or simply, let's say, when people tell you a lot of clever words and beautiful fairy tales, they tell you them in the morning and in the evening, they make you stand on one foot, on the left one or right one. What will change because of that? Will you become more spiritual? No. Of course you won't. Until you yourself feel, until you yourself get imbued. And why? Until you start working on yourself, that's the point. It's impossible to get to know the world, let's say, the one which is invisible, without knowing the visible world. 
There is a gist here too. If you don't begin to understand that it's your own consciousness that manipulates you, you'll never be able to break free from it. Because a slave who doesn't know that there is a master over him will never become free. Do you understand? Yes. If a slave thinks that he is free and he can do whatever he wants, he will remain a slave. He will seek that freedom wherever possible, but he will not find it. So human personality is in slavery, and this is really so. And now know that many people write, a God's slave. There is no such thing as a God's slave. There simply isn't. In the distant past, some people, even prophets, used word combinations while explaining in the dead language, in people's understanding that you must be obedient like a slave. But this was explained precisely for those people who do not feel and do not understand, at least for a start, so that they begin at least to follow those rules, to fulfill those covenants given to them, so that they are people, not wolves, not animals for each other, so that they stop eating each other, there is essence and meaning here too. Indeed, if a person is, let's say, irretrievably lost for the spiritual world, then he's like a rabid dog, and he's a threat to the rest. This is really so. As for the Prophets, there aren't any, and there won't be. The last Prophet was Muhammad, it is indeed so. Well, after him, there were already about thirty false Prophets. May the clever ones understand what I've just said. And the rest do not need that. Right? There will be no more prophets while I am merely a human. Inger Mikhailovich, what is the living language? The living language? The living language is the deepest feelings. There is no other language for a human being in human understanding. It is hard to explain it to someone who has never heard what it is, you see. But in the last video we… and many people noted this, because they had heard. What did they hear? They heard the call, and they responded to it. This is precisely the language. For some people it is just the deepest feeling that it is silent, it gives understanding, and people feel and understand that something is going on, that something truly and really exists. Many even felt it at the physical level. This, as if contradicts my words, that the spiritual manifests itself in the spiritual. So why do they feel it at the physical level then? I will explain, because it often happens that when the spiritual manifests itself, the material, it, well, so to speak, responds, to those manifestations. Again, there are good examples in the Bible, such as regarding gifts and everything else about miracles that occur at the time when the Holy Spirit manifests Himself. There is noise, wind, something else, fire or descent of fire. Well, many of such things happen. And they say, this is the Holy Spirit and everyone is waiting for these miracles. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't do this. Really, He doesn't. This is how the system reacts to him approaching. You see, equipment fails, there is hail out of the blue sky, and many other miracles. A strong wind rises, the Holy Spirit is not wind, he cannot be matter, he is higher than matter. He saw God creating it, 
and he knows that it consists only of his very small desire, believe me, a tiny desire. God simply said, let it be, and it is there. Is it much, according to our standards? Not much. This is what it consists of, and he cannot be wind, he cannot be fire, he's alive, and he is there. However, he can be here, just like anyone else. There was another question, can the Holy Spirit be a personality in a body? Of course he can. Since we have touched upon such a topic then, again I will mention that one of the first angels, according to Islam, is Gabriel, Jibrael, right? He's indeed the senior angel, why is he senior? And why is he there? Well, that's what they call him on the ladder on the way to Allah. And what is an angel, in your understanding, or in understanding of many? In particular, we are talking only about Gabriel. Who is he? He is a part of the spiritual world, part of God. Yes. The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Of course. One of the forms of his manifestation. So, again, can the Holy Spirit be in a human body? He surely can. And he's obliged to be sometimes. How can it be otherwise? The thing is that, well, again, no matter how it will sound for some people, that God should know everything, He sees everything and so on, He surely sees and He surely knows. Why? Because He has, let's say, such an opportunity for the spiritual world to see what is happening in every world, not just in ours, in the one we are living in, but through what? Again, through the Holy Spirit, the one whom we call the Holy Spirit. Yet there is another question here. Can we equate the Holy Spirit as part of the Divine Deity, to put Him at one level with God? Of course not. No. Certainly not. God is one, while all the rest serve Him. Well, someone, let's say, serves more, someone serves less, depending on capabilities, right? And again, as for your question, why the Holy Spirit can be in a body, as it is said? The answer is very simple indeed. Many, we already raised this topic, just like the Messiahs and the like. There is a descent. In what sense? Does anything hinder people? Are there any obstacles for people? And so on. Well, it's just impossible. I would put it this way, like an audit, you see? Precisely a spiritual audit, to make it clear in the modern language, he comes, looks, and lives a human life. Again, here people will say that I'm telling fairy tales. Okay, let it be fairy tales. Why not tell them? Everyone tells fairy tales. And I will tell as well. So when the one whom we are talking about comes here, he actually lives in the same body as everyone else. He has the same consciousness as everyone else, a lazy one, desiring many things and so on. And what is this given for? In order to look, can human personality develop? Does anything hinder it? How strong is the impact of consciousness or demons on personality nowadays? Well, personality, once again we return to it. What is personality? Personality in every human is part 
of the Holy Spirit so as to make it clear. While the soul is part of the spiritual world, can the soul have an independent character or some individuality as an intelligent being? No, it cannot. It can't. While Personality is already an intelligent being, which indeed, and only the Holy Spirit is endowed with this, by the will of God. Therefore, His part exists everywhere, and that is why all people are brothers. However, what do people do? They don't develop this part, do they? And when they listen to the demon, what happens? Exactly the material part of Personality develops, right? It's not that the material part of Personality develops. Consciousness is not a part of Personality by any means. Personality is Personality. But, speaking modern language, it becomes coarse and material, Personality. It becomes integrated into Consciousness, or Consciousness is integrated into Personality. And so it becomes a subpersonality. It cannot die for a long time, because it has a part of immortality in it. But at the same time, it cannot be in matter. Why? Because when the body serves out its time, like a shell, this being has to go somewhere. So there is such a modern term, a subpersonality. It's a more modern term. There are neither legs nor arms, there is… And what is there? There are emotions, there's consciousness. Just like you live now, is the same there. In order to understand this, for us physicians, it is closer. We can talk to people who survived a stroke, arms and legs don't move. They don't feel their body, but everything else is there. Emotions, memory and so on. He sees a little bit, he hears a little bit. He lives like he is imprisoned. That's exactly the state of hell. But taking into account that, again, he is, let's say, not far from the Source. And the Soul is exactly the Source, of course, because it is connected with that world, the boundless world. Imagine how it feels during reincarnations. A person, hence all the legends appear about hell, about those sufferings, about heat, fire and everything else. One might say that this is fiction and nothing is written about it anywhere. But this can be said only by those who read their own work, so to say. But do not read more, because in the past all this was described, and it was described well. And if we touch upon such a religion that is called Buddhism, this is exactly the path of subpersonality, and not only Buddhism. Igor Mikhailovich, you've said that an angel and the Holy Spirit is one and the same, one personality. But many people will come up with questions. It is one of the personalities of the Holy Spirit, let's put it this way. I understand what you want to say. Many will have a misunderstanding, won't they? Yes. How come? After all, it is written there and there that the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, while an angel is an angel, right? Yet, this can be said only by those people who read only what was written for them. Basically, I would actually advise people, those who are searching, to look for words, but look not with their mind, not with their consciousness, because, as we said, consciousness is deceitful, but through inner understanding, through the deepest feelings, and to look in all scriptures, after all, the prophets who came were carrying the truth from God. And if we take, for instance, the Qur'an, Surah 5, Ayah 110, we will see that the Holy Spirit and the angel Jabrail, or as they say in Christianity, Archangel Gabriel, 
is one and the same character. Thank you for explaining. Here's another interesting point. That's an incorrect explanation. Let me explain why. A character is understood as somebody with a face like we have. Who can name or describe an angel's face? At least anyone. No one. Of course not. An angel has never come with a face. When people see an angel, it is one of the weakest manifestations, but it causes quite a serious material disturbance in this world. Well, sort of a revelation for the Chosen One, so that when a person is ready for this, and it won't be lethal for him, because in reality it's a destructive action, so to say, for this world. Such a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit, a more concentrated one, is intended to impress or frighten, let's say, the demon which is in a person. There can be such situations when it is necessary, but as a rule it works with those who are to become prophets, People see this slight manifestation, let's say, as an angel, as something visible, even in this world. Because actually any manifestation of that world, which is not protected by a material shell, has a destructive effect on this world. It is incompatible, it's like, well, I would say, antimatter in reality, you see. I mean, it's not that we have matter, antimatter, we sort of understand from physics that it exists. We even try to extract antimatter. The most fundamental antimatter is the spirit, it is in everyone. Therefore, it is slightly protected from the body. That is why we, as doctors, know that it is impossible to find either consciousness or soul in the body, and even more so to catch the spirit, I mean personality. Personality. Of course. It turns out that an unprepared person who perceives everything with material consciousness will not be able to perceive a manifestation from the spiritual world. It can be perceived only by the spiritual nature of a human. Of course. When a manifestation of that world occurs here, it destroys this world. There are wonderful words about this. If Allah showed His face, mountains would disappear. What for? What is the point? What's the point then for people if the whole world collapses, including themselves, just because of one non-believer? It makes no difference if he exists or not. It's like that very spermatozoan we mentioned, it doesn't matter if it existed or not. It becomes only when it manifests itself already in life. This is when we, as parents, take care of our children and the like. So. Игорь Михайлович, also one of the points of division in Christianity is the division into the triunity, the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son. But again, there is an understanding that the spiritual world is one, and there are no divisions of any kind there. Yet, how is it in reality? It is consciousness that divides. For instance, He sent the Son again. This is what I talked about, I mean, people try to exalt their prophets. They try to equate someone to God, that this one is God and that one is God, sort of polytheism. Well, what can I say? People are people. For instance, the Holy Spirit is God. How can the Holy Spirit be God? Or how can a prophet be God? Again, as well as God's Son, let's carefully read the words that have been preserved, that which is written, and what Jesus said. 
my father, and he also said that all are his children, right? Yes. All are his children. This is really so. Well, I kind of don't want to repeat, like a spermatozoan and an egg cell, they're all ours, but when they merge, then they become a child. Well, so far they're our children potentially, sort of. But we don't know them and don't give them names. Yet when they have merged, we give them names, right? The same is here. All are children, but only when they become children. And who is a true believer? A true believer? A true believer is that person who really possesses the deepest feelings and who, let's say, well, in order to make it clear, who has no doubt a believer is a person who doesn't know, you know, that there's the spiritual world or something else. He attends temples for the sake of propriety, so as not to be ashamed, as if he belongs to one or another religion and the like, depending on where he lives, so that people don't poke fingers at him, well, and to pray just in case, to ask God for something, what if it works, you know, such a… well, that one is a believer. While a true believer is the one who has no doubt, it is the one who lives by the deepest feelings and who speaks the living language. That's the definition I would give. Let's just say, a truly faithful person is the one who communicates with the spiritual world in the living language. It is also believed in the scriptures we can encounter that the Holy Spirit can descend only on true believers, on prophets or on kings, as it is also mentioned in some of the… Well, this is again a human interpretation. After all, in every person in whom there is a soul, and a human cannot be without a soul, there is a personality in him. While personality, as I've already said, I will repeat, it is part of the Holy Spirit, therefore it identifies itself as personality. Well, this is what I said. When he manifests himself just a little bit, everything falls and collapses. People will again say that you did it on purpose, you'll have to justify yourself, you didn't pull a thread, didn't tie it with ropes, right? Right. Well, it happens, various things happen. My stupidity got exposed again, no big deal. Let's continue. So, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is accessible to any person, and all divisions come from the system. From the mind, and so one person is superior to another one. Hence, there should be more in him, a priori. One has been appointed, I don't know, a leader of some religion, it means there is much more of the Holy Spirit in him than in the person who has come to their temple, you see? All this is nonsense. Generally speaking, by and large, for the spiritual world, there is no division into temples, it's people who divide. For instance, I can be everywhere, in churches, in synagogues, in ashrams, everywhere. Naturally, I can be in mosques as well, that doesn't hinder me. So why do people say, only mine, you see? And my clergyman, or priest, is superior to others. Just look at what they say. A simple example, yes? Even monks say such words. We believe, for instance, we belong to this organization. We 
will get saved, and everyone who follows us will save their souls. Note, not I will get saved, but our souls will get saved. While those who believe in another religion, people from the same religion but a different denomination, they will not get saved, they will ruin their souls. Well, I'll put it simply, for you as a Personality, is there a difference whether you ruin your soul or save your soul, if you don't save right. yourself? It's a Personality anyway. Also, a soul is ill, a soul is something else, a soul is a soul. It is part of the spiritual world, it is eternal. It can neither be ill nor suffer. It doesn't have emotions, you see? Well, Personality can either feel or not feel, right? Right. But if it doesn't feel, it will have emotions. Emotions are from the demon, from the devil. Why? What's the difference? Well, psychologists can interpret it in their own way, but in actual fact, emotions are transient. Say, people's love is temporary. They loved each other so much that later they killed each other, right? Or you love somebody so much that you go and betray him with someone else, it's love. Or you dream of another person, but what's the difference? If a demon shows you pictures and you like that, don't you really betray? And who among people doesn't do that with their beloved ones who are near? I'm bored, I'm fed up with him. You see, everything is temporary. There's nothing eternal on Earth. And the demon himself is temporary. While Personality, as part of the spiritual world, can gain can accumulate this power. Gaining of the Holy Spirit is accumulation of this power, which eventually leads to the point that merging of Personality with the Soul takes place. We talked about this and described it. Just merging with that world occurs. And here emerges a new being, a little angel, who departs to that world, but it departs. Well, how to put this? This happens not when the body has died, but as long as it is alive. I'll give a simple example, we again go back to our characters, but this is illustrative and clear. A spermatozoan can impregnate an egg cell as long as it is alive. Can it impregnate a dead one? Of course not. That's the point. You see, the essence of the Holy Spirit is to separate the dead from the alive. For this very purpose He comes here, for this purpose He actually stays here. And only God can make the dead alive. But He does this through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He serves the spiritual world, He serves God. That's the point. Well, people like to turn everything inside out and say something from the mind. Well, it's true, human language is complicated. It is stupid, it is always necessary to show some pictures in order to confirm. Even now we've been talking, and many people, after all, they think in pictures, three pictures, understandings and so on, but pictures are dead, while the internal is alive. Well, it's not quite habitual for consciousness, but consciousness cannot perceive it. Hence all sorts of misunderstandings arise. Hence again, a person is endowed with selfishness, while human selfishness originates from pridefulness. It is the very first sin which… and it's the most severe one, because demons are building everything precisely on it. The entire human confusion, so to say. And a person gets tangled in these sins, like fish in a tangling net. You know, there's such a net, 
It gets in it, gets tangled, and it's already hard for the fish to get out of this net. In the same way, it seems hard for a person. Why am I saying it seems? Because it seems to him. And the entire life only seems to a person. I believe I'm not worthy, I believe I am weak, I believe I'm not able. That person is able, he's big, he's great, or he's a monk, he's a saint, you see? Whom do people endow with sanctity? The same people as they are, they trust and exalt them. Yet what is to exalt? And why exalt? Everyone is equal. There is only one God. It is He who is great, while people remain people. That's the kind of mindset we people have from pridefulness, from the demon, that it's necessary to exalt someone, that we can listen to this person, for he knows something. And if this is our priest, hence he should know even more than that one, because that one confuses people, he leads them to the pit, like the blind is leading the blind, and so on. Well, what can I say? This is certainly funny. It's funny when… and it's funny for those who really understand what I'm talking about. Well, for the rest, of course, it's not funny in this case. But unfortunately, this is true. And again, just look at what this leads to, I mean, human pridefulness and division. In fact, after Jesus, who brought the knowledge, there formed many various trends and branches, everything was divided, everything was covered with people's conjectures, and everything was drawn as it was convenient to people. And these people who are searching, who are striving for God at least a little bit, have been guided along crooked roads into different directions. That was a reason why as I already mentioned regarding the fact that prophets come into this world when the world is standing on the verge, you see? And here there is determination to be or not to be. After all, God, He, let's say, is the one who creates worlds, but He is also the one who destroys them. God sends the end. But He also makes the beginning. Well, for many this is like, the end comes and then the beginning starts. However, the beginning will already be not for you, but for others. This should be understood. And it is much more important as long as you exist. Well, personality has only one chance, and personality hasn't a second one. This is true. As we already said, the soul can live through many bodies, while personality through just one. Here's the chance. And when a person misses this chance, there is no return for him. While in human understanding, when we've now touched upon the topic that God creates worlds and God destroys these worlds, well, it seems like the demon is telling something soothing, that God will destroy and then restore, but not you. From these words that the Prophets were saying, people have concluded that once it will happen, when everything will be destroyed, and then there will be a judgment over everyone. And then, even if you now follow a wrong path, yet you will pray for forgiveness, or will be prayed for, or we will pray for you. We will pray for you after death, and you will get into heaven. You will get, but not into heaven. Nobody's prayers will help you. That's the point. So, 
In the spiritual world, everything is simple, very simple. There are no secrets in it. Um, telling the truth, God has no secrets. Everything is simple with Him. It is people who create secrets because they live being guided and controlled by demons. The demon likes secrets, he likes magic, he likes mysteries, he enjoys making simple things complicated. If we take, again, the words of the Prophets, we will see, there are no complexities, everything is clear, everything is easy and accessible to everyone. No, it has to be complicated. Like with that philologist, remember? I talked about it, it's like in that parable about the philologist. You've said it wrong, you've done it wrong, it has to be like this, meaning every comma should be in its place. You see, that's when it's right, that's when it is it. But where is the essence? If you don't understand the essence, you carp at all sorts of trifles, right? So, going back to what I've started talking about, it eventually came to the point that the knowledge turned into many different religious trends, and people again reached a deadlock. And a question arose, will humanity exist further or not? But since there was a potential, and there were still many believers, true, faithful believers, not blind ones, a renewal, so to say, was sent, or, as there is a trendy word nowadays, rebooting on a computer. God sent the Prophet, please know, the last Prophet, Muhammad. He sent Islam into the world. Yet what happened? What is actually Islam? How to understand the translation of this word correctly, in the right way? I don't know. Islam… You don't know what Islam is? Well, that's bad, you see. A person should know, if he or she is searching. Islam is reconciliation, first of all. Reconciliation of a human with God and of a human with a human. Islam was exactly supposed to reconcile all people. And the Qur'an was sent first and foremost for those, as the Prophet said, who are properly holding the Torah and the Gospel for believers. It wasn't sent to those tribes, as they are now called, that there were wild tribes, so that… Firstly, they weren't wild. People are the same everywhere. It's again a division by consciousness. But Islam was sent exactly to faithful people, true believers, you see? Faithful to God. For this reason it was. It was supposed to really unite all people, Islam was supposed to be a unified religion for everyone. It is the most peaceful religion. I understand that some people will now get indignant, because if we take pieces from the Qur'an out of context, and again, we should take into account that the Prophet, peace be upon him, didn't write the Qur'an. He uttered prophecies, he was telling people here what the Holy Spirit was telling him inside. But again, the Holy Spirit is nothing other than the voice of God. So God was talking to him through the Holy Spirit, this is to make it clear. Because many disputes arise as well. Who gave the Qur'an to the Prophet? Archangel Gabriel, the Holy Spirit. Some people assert that God Himself, Allah Himself was talking to him. 
Again, all this comes from mind, from the lack of knowledge and understanding, whereas if we look deeply, naturally it was God talking to him. But he was talking through the Holy Spirit. And he initially appeared, like I've already said, in order to strengthen the Prophet in the understanding of who was in front of him. He appeared in the image of Angel Gabriel, well, Jibrail. And the purpose of the last Prophet was exactly that the Qur'an should give people an understanding that is the most peaceful teaching. I'm saying it once again, and it was aimed at unification of all people. But what happened? Division from the mind happened. People were already writing, each based on the understanding of his consciousness. Of course. And again, human pridefulness divided Islam. People are people. I understand them from a human position. Why this is happening? But this is… this is wrong. God doesn't have such a thing as one religion, another religion, some people are favourites, others are not. He is simple in relations with people. It is people who are complicated in relationships with each other. While those who really enter into relations with God are simple. And they understand that. Yet many people can now come up with a question. They will say, well, who? A Masur is sitting and talking about what is ours. What right do you have? What is important for them? So that some authority figure confirms my words or something else, right? Well, may my words be confirmed by what is already written in Surah 13, Ayah 43. But if there is someone more authoritative for them, then I'm talking to an empty jug. So, divisions inside religions and between religions originate from those very Holy Fathers who themselves don't feel and tell others… Here's a big question. People call many of them holy. No, I'm not saying that everyone. There were indeed truly faithful people who really served God during their lifetime. They didn't say foolish things, but they often talked in a complicated manner. It was complicated because it's difficult to convey something in this world. It's difficult to explain to the dead ones in the dead language about the alive. This is true, no matter how offensive it might sound. But, unfortunately, people endowed the majority with this title of a holy or something else in order to distinguish them. And many, if we look at their lives, their deeds, they strengthen. Why did people endow them with the holiness? Because they strengthen exactly their trends, exactly their religion. That's why they deserved respect among those who came after them, because they had strengthened their position. They didn't give people freedom, they didn't give people a true understanding, they didn't give people a simple path to God. They made it even more complex, because they themselves didn't know. And here, indeed, Unfaithful Imams have made a lot of trouble. This is true. No matter how offensive this is to those, let's say, who live by their consciousness, but it was pernicious for many people, unfortunately. We have come to the point that a simple single whole has been divided, even God has been divided in our society. What can we talk about?
This is sorrowful. Yes. Regarding division into religions, today disputes are going on between various religions and denominations regarding the fact that everyone is waiting for manifestation of the Holy Spirit precisely within the framework of their religion. And disagreements happen because of that. Well, again, they are waiting for manifestation, they are waiting for the advent, that someone will come and do something instead of them. Isn't that so? It is. If we consider this, then everyone hopes for what? He will come no matter what they call him, in different religions differently. Prophets said that in the end time the Comforter or someone else will come. He will come, he will help. Whom will he help? He will come and he will help those who want. He will help those who are faithful. He will help those who hear. He will separate the alive from the dead. That's the point. But here is a question again. Everyone's consciousness will tell them, after all, you are alive, because you serve. But who will say this? Consciousness will say. But at this time the heart will be silent. I use the word heart in the familiar religious context, because people should actually feel by the deepest feelings, from there it should be. And if people lived precisely as Prophet said, they would hear and understand much more than we are voicing now. You see? That's the point. But is it good or bad? Many people will say it's good. Why? Because he will come and he will build us palaces, he will win and establish our religion throughout the entire world, he will be a comfort to every believer. But tell me, isn't the Holy Spirit a comfort to every believer? He surely is. And isn't he their inner ground and support? He is. He is. To everyone, to every believer, at all times. Isn't it so? It is. But people reject Him. They reject Him with consciousness. They either don't like the image or something else. When they think with the brain, or rather they think with consciousness, right? It's impossible to perceive it through consciousness. This is true. While to those who live by the deepest feelings, to those who are really true believers, who hear the Living Voice, well, there is no need to explain to them. But the meaning of his advent is to separate the alive from the dead and not to build palaces and good life here. There is nothing eternal on earth. What for? But people want their life to be good both here and there. To the one who comes there, life is already beautiful there, there is happiness there, there is no grief there as it is here. But people, those who believe precisely have to be such as to… and they have to do so, first of all, that there would be no grief here either. That's the point. That's why Islam was sent, you see? So that quarrels would go away, so that people would accept, so that people would understand, but they took it as a competitor. Why? Well, if a person is blind spiritually, and he sees that which has come, he doesn't even look or read. He immediately says, no, it's not ours, we have what is written. Tell me, will a piece of paper save anyone? No. May many people forgive me. Here lies the Qur'an in front of us. Can it save you if you don't know it? Even if you learn every letter and comma in it, will you be saved? No. Of course not. If you do not accept, God inside, is that right? Yes, only through the internal. Only through the internal. No scripture has saved anyone. The essence embedded in the scripture, this is what saves. And only when a person perceives it, 
and when he strives to learn it, then yes, it makes a human an angel. Look how beautiful this is! A simple mortal being becomes an angel. Is that bad? Yet why do people reject it? God is merciful. God is really very merciful. And He sends people a chance. He always sends a chance and always reaches out. He cares about each of His children much more than we care about ours. This is true. But we push Him away. Therefore, He always gives them a chance. There is no need to say this to true believers, to others, to those who don't know, I will say. If we take the last 12 years, time has actually got reduced by at least 20%. No, I'm not saying that stars began to fly faster or second-hand has accelerated, no. The second-hand moves as it has moved, right? And the day follows the night with the same interval of the second-hand. But almost every person, even children, who have recently been born, they feel how time is getting reduced. If a day used to pass like a day, now a week passes like a day. And what will happen next? Shouldn't we think about it? Right? This answers another question for those who ask it. But we don't voice it, they know the answer and know their question. Therefore, I think that, well, this is my opinion, just as of a human being. People shouldn't argue, should not set hopes on the one who will come, especially since people don't see and don't feel this. So they shouldn't wait for someone to come and do something instead of them. They should do it themselves. They should reach out to each other, stop arguing, and should unite. But if people are believers, there is nothing to divide, God is one. And there is no difference what languages people speak here in this world. They will speak the same language there. And this is true. So, we can always find reconciliation, is that right? It is. This is what I mean. So, it turns out that if Islam is the last religion, then… Islam is the last religion, in reality, and the last prophet is Muhammad, this is true. So, all people are now really on the threshold of a global choice. Well, I'm not saying this. But if we just address the scriptures and follow the history, it becomes clear. Let everyone understand as they want, right? Well, if they don't understand, their Holy Fathers will tell them. Regarding the Holy Fathers, does it mean that a person who seeks, who reaches out to the spiritual world, but is guided by and pays attention to some false ideas, which he builds for himself to material priorities. He comes to a dead end. If a person listens to the demons in his head, that's his choice.
So, even the fact that nowadays many so-called Holy Fathers lead people, being themselves guided by their intentions, this cannot hinder a true believer, right? Of course not. No one can hinder a person. It is personal, it is strictly personal, it is internal. As for the fact that, well, it happens at all times, because selfishness exalts people, we've talked about it. Let's recall the words of Jesus when He spoke about scribes and Pharisees. This always existed, nothing changes, people are always the same. It's just that someone lives in order to live, while someone lives in order to die, that's the difference. What came out of dust will become dust. The one who lives by the Spirit will remain the Spirit. Right? Yes. Igor Mikhailovich, today you have also mentioned the gaining of the Holy Spirit. People often ask the question, what is the gaining of the Holy Spirit in the true sense for each person? Well, for everyone. For the one who seeks. Whereas the one who seeks will gain. What is the gaining? It is accumulation, right? Increase and accumulation. This is exactly the gaining of experience, of that spiritual experience, the true one. When a person opens up spiritually, he begins to feel somewhere a little bit, even at the physical level, then the physical plane goes away. And he understands that there is infinity, there is enormous vastness. And then he finally understands that there is actually vision and there is hearing. And it turns out that there is a completely different world, and it is boundless. And what is here is not present in it. While what is here, which is not there, death. And this is true. This is precisely gaining, accumulation and everyday work. But there is another problem. Now we are talking with you in the same way as many religious figures do. We talk about everything in general, but the most important thing is concealed, and we haven't touched upon this now. How can a person learn? Right. In the previous videos we said that you should observe your thoughts and the like. Who gives them to you? Viewers can watch the previous video, we mentioned this, how to come into contact with feelings, how to develop them. That's the point. Why? If you don't study this world, if you don't study your consciousness, you will not understand that you are a slave. I repeat myself, but it is so. And when you understand that you are a slave, and whose slave you are in fact, you cannot be a slave of God, because you will be part of that world if you merge with it. But you are precisely a slave of the demon as long as he controls you. So when you study and understand that this is really so, we explained it well in the previous video, you can break these chains and become free. This is exactly gaining, as people say. Well, as a matter of fact, it is feeling, it is perception through feelings of that world, not through consciousness, not through earthly eyes or ears, as we are used to, but through the inner world. It is communication with God, constant communication. And the more a person communicates, not the way we are communicating now, I'm trying to say some prayer, by means of my consciousness, to ask something from God, to bargain. No, it's not the right way, it's not gaining. It is even praising. When a person praises God or something else, 
there should be understanding, there should be perception through feelings of this. Otherwise, a false phrase is worse than blasphemy, believe me. Who would like it? Would you like it if your enemy that hates you praises you? Praises? It's a lie. No, I wouldn't like it. Because a lie would sound. And tell me, how can Satan elevate and glorify God? Isn't it a lie? It's a lie. That's why you should think about it thoroughly. Many people write that the only thing angels engage in is praising God. Kind of, what else can they engage in? Why do they talk about it and why is this being raised? Because those who were indeed holy fathers and who perceived that, they talked about the infinite joy inside, about that very song inside, about that happiness. It's hard to express it here, but they were talking about well, it is rather an emotion while they talked about feelings. But with the help of emotions familiar to people, I mean, in the highest understanding which lasts endlessly, naturally, people already interpreted it in their own way. Sort of everyone praises God and He gives them happiness in this. You see, it's bargaining and exchange, a consumer's attitude to God. Many people feel this openness, this inner connection with each other, but they do not get into contact because consciousness divides them, you see. Yet, how can a person learn to actually ignore consciousness and just to constantly reside in these inner feelings? A person won't be able to learn to ignore consciousness until he studies it, until he understands that it is deceitful in many aspects. I'm not saying it can't remember that two times two is four. Well, as we discussed it with you, it memorizes that very well. Again, to insult and reprimand someone, to find some wrong letter, it will say, you expressed it wrong or you said it wrong. Consciousness is capable of that. The only thing it is incapable of is to give life, simply incapable. And it is incapable of bringing a person to God. That's why you need to study why it distracts you, why it hinders you, what patterns it uses, and why you give in to that. Then you will understand who you are. And then, looking in the mirror, you will see a demon because you will become an angel yourself, while the mirror is precisely a reflection. Do you understand? It's a shadow from the light. Igor Mikhailovich, why were the commandments actually given to people? The commandments are very important. The meaning of commandments is precisely to enable a person to curb his mind. The first thing that was given, do not murder, do not steal, do not sin, and surely do not blaspheme, because there is nothing more awful than blasphemy against God or the Holy Spirit, you see? I mean, this is prohibited. Thus, with the help of those commandments, a person became more disciplined and humane. That's why it is very important. And it was said, do not wish a person anything that you do not wish to yourself, right? Right. Why is that? In other words, this made people think, people studied that that's what has reached us, the commandments that made people better morally and more humane have reached us. That's a very important tool for a start. This is similar, let's say, to those schools that practice meditation. After all, meditation is the initial starting path towards spiritual practices. First, it begins with the body, 
people put consciousness in order, pacify it, and then proceed to more serious, more spiritual practices towards the straight path. As we said, get up and go. That's the spiritual practice. You understand? Whereas meditation is needed to at least learn how to feel something and understand that there is actually something else which is beyond the boundary. Just like prayer, prayerful states, after all, they also awaken precisely perception through feelings in a person, again, provided that it is surely not material. Desires that you declare in those prayers, such as health, wealth and power, provided that you don't bargain with God. Such prayers are heard only by the demon, who can also give you health, wealth and what not. It will improve your life as well, only it will take away from you a lot more. The Eternal. There is a joke on this subject. The devil came to a businessman and said, listen, your business is not doing well right now, why don't we make a little deal? I'll give you everything you ask for, and you will give me your soul. After all, you don't feel it and don't know it anyway. The businessman answered, my soul, but what can you give me? Well, what do you want? The businessman said, can you give me a freight train with gasoline? The devil said, I can. The businessman said, what about two freight trains? The devil replied, sure I can. The man looked at him suspiciously, a couple of freight trains for soul. So he told the devil, look, I feel you want to trick me, but I don't understand how exactly. It's the same with people. Unfortunately, you shouldn't bargain. You shouldn't ask for what is temporary. Otherwise, you won't have time to ask for the eternal. So, when a person asks for something temporary, he makes a deal in just the same way? Of course, after all, he's asking by means of consciousness. Indeed, so many people appeal today, and the first thing they ask for is health and something material, thinking that they appeal to God. A person lives by what is valuable to him. Isn't this what the Prophets were talking about? You see, again, what was said, described and explained to people is missing. Well, I want, but who wants? Consciousness wants. And no matter how much you give to it, it's not enough for it. So people crave material things and the like. After all, those whom we talked about, the true believers or those faithful to God, it's when a person is actually, not in words, but in practice, treats the material simply and easily. There is one interesting parable, I will also tell it. Once a mullah lost a donkey, he was walking around praising God and looking for the donkey at the same time. People said, listen, it is somehow strange, you have lost a donkey, you're walking around and praising God for this. What's the point? He said, well, what do you mean? I'm praising God for the fact that I didn't sit on that donkey, otherwise I would have lost myself too. So. Igen Mikhailovich, concerning the gaining of the Holy Spirit, is it actually available to everyone or only to those close to Church or to some religions? To anyone who has a soul and a personality. And personality, I'm saying it once again, is part of the Holy Spirit after all. The one who initially has power is capable of increasing it, no matter where he is and with whom he is. In other words, any person 
is capable of this. Thank you. In Orthodox Anthropology, in the article on the composition of a human, it is mentioned that a human being is spirit, soul and body. And then there is an explanation that spirit, in brackets, stands for mind. Well, maybe it is so. For those who composed it, spirit, which is mentioned as a human spirit, it is precisely what is called personality, whereas mind or consciousness it is precisely that part from the opposite side, which is inevitably that. Therefore, I wouldn't confuse it. Spirit is eternal, while consciousness is temporary and mind is temporary. So, regarding this point, people also have such a substitution embedded by consciousness from the system. Well, a person lives and thinks by what is valuable to him. Although I don't argue, what right do I have? This is merely my opinion. In the previous video, you briefly mentioned a topic regarding service. You said that this is responsibility, first and foremost. And today, already based on what you said about the gaining of the Holy Spirit, what is actually true service from the perspective of the knowledge that we already have? Let's say, initially, what is the most accessible, because there may be many levels of service. Initially, what is accessible to all people? If you yourself have woken up spiritually, Wake up the one who is near, but do it gently and carefully. You shouldn't shake him, otherwise he will wake up angry. Just wake him up. And when he has woken up, support him, so that he doesn't wobble. Then it's already easier for the two of you to wake up the third one, right? Yes. And imagine, the three of you can already wake up two at the same time. That's how it should be. That's the meaning of service. If you have woken up, help other to wake up. While in our case, unfortunately, people sleep and put others to sleep, unfortunately. So, is this spiritual awakening? Is it a conscious choice? This is the path of service. It is the need that arises in spiritual, spiritually free people, when a person understands how beautiful that world is and how sad the destiny of those who remain here is, he tries to shake them awake, he tries to awaken his close ones, acquaintances and strangers in order to give them life. This is not missionary work or something else, no, not at all. For example, many people are acting to increase their flock or something. Well, this is an inner need. This is precisely the service. This comes precisely from a spiritual need already. Right. I would also like to touch upon the following point. The Holy Spirit as the acting force of God, the creative force, and the power of infinite love is mentioned in different religions, one way or another. Precisely, thanks to this God's power, there happens spiritual awakening of a human, his enlightenment, strengthening on the spiritual path and gaining of real life. People knew that he is really acting, Let's take even the first Christians. For them, manifestations of the Holy Spirit were really an acting force. 
people simply lived by the Holy Spirit, and through Him, thanks to personal spiritual experience, they learned the Kingdom of God, meaning the spiritual world, which cannot be described in earthly words. As the saying goes, it is difficult to speak in earthly terms about the Holy Spirit. One should live by Him. And here, the key phrase was introduced. They learned it through practice. They worked on themselves. In practice. Right. To talk about the Holy Spirit is to talk about nothing. Because what is the Holy Spirit in this material world? If He goes beyond material understanding, it turns out that He is nothing. He is compared to the wind, as we have already said, to fire or something else. These are material manifestations in response to His manifestations here. So, you should live by Him. And when you live by Him, you're filled with something. They're right. And there is a huge difference between how the first Christians perceived the Holy Spirit, how they treated God, and what happened afterwards. It's just that people didn't admit, even in their consciousness, well, naturally in their consciousness, that it could be lost. That this value, the highest value, could eventually be lost and replaced with something material, substituted, well, I don't know, is the same as replacing health with an incurable disease from which you will long die in agony. Well, it is sort of funny, isn't it? This doesn't even fit into the logical understanding of consciousness, and consciousness even opposes this. Well, there, naturally, when people could communicate with the spiritual world through the Spirit, they naturally understood how can one lose what's the most valuable and important, what kind of not quite the same person one should be to exchange life for death. So, unfortunately, this was lost. And there were other difficulties that many people faced, those who learned this phenomenon, as they say, enlightenment and the like. Buddha is such an example, for instance. No one actually conveyed it to him. He was looking, actually, for a long time. He spent six years searching for something that leads to eternity, something that is true. To put it simply, he was searching for the truth. He visited a lot of places, failing to find it, he eventually came into contact at the last moment, when his forces left him. He was exhausted by yoga, by various practices, and he didn't even have enough strength to cross the river. So the water carried him away, he grabbed the root of a tree with his last bit of strength, and when he was already dying, parting with the body, the Spirit descended on him. That is, he began to perceive this world not with consciousness, but with personality. And he became stronger. The Spirit strengthened in him. Somehow he struggled to the shore, quietly got some sleep. And after that, he was silent for a week. He didn't know what to say to people. When he understood what was actually the full-fledged residing of the Holy Spirit in him, let's put it so, he just couldn't express and convey to people. Well, we will talk about the future fate of Buddhism later. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is described as the acting force of God. God's Spirit vivifies the primordial universe. And here, people usually come up with a disputable question. Who actually gives life itself, God or the Holy Spirit? God gives life, but He gives it through 
I'm sorry, but this is really not on purpose. God gives life, but He gives it through the Holy Spirit. And God takes away life again through the Holy Spirit. He is not God. Later, I will tell you a little. There is one comparison which I like the most, but a little bit later. Having the knowledge as the main keys, you already understand why the Holy Spirit is mentioned both in the context of creation of a human and in the context of comprehension of the spiritual world by a human, calling the Holy Spirit the Spirit of life, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of revelation, God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth, God's love. Look how easy it is to understand when you already know. What does it mean to have keys of God's Kingdom? After all, when… I'll go back to more ancient history. When one of the Prophets brought the knowledge, people asked him, what is it, where do you know all this from? And he said, the Spirit gave me the keys of the Kingdom, and I can hand them over to you if you take them. Many will start digging, where is that? Sorry, guys, but… History has veiled this ancient religion in obscurity. It is still mentioned, but unfortunately it is forgotten. Although the Prophet who gave this knowledge is still mentioned in one of the oldest religions, but the words are really good. That's the point. Yes. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is also described as the Comforter. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. While in chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, the following is mentioned. However, when the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak what He hears, and He will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is described as personality that is present. It is believed that the Holy Spirit is already here, He is already with us. So does it mean that He is like a human, an individual in a human image? Or is He like a deity? This very point still provokes disputes and misunderstandings among people. What is the reason for that? What was the reason, first of all, that He is like personality? In actual fact, the Holy Spirit came in a body many times in the history of humanity, even in this world. He was just like all of us. And many people communicated, talked to Him, He was a good friend and so on. Well, as it is said, that's where it originated from, that He is like Personality, because when saints felt, indeed, true saints felt who was in front of them, and they later told this to others. That's where it came from that He's like Personality. He really possesses His own individuality. But still, I'm saying it once again, He's not a deity. He's the one who honestly, faithfully and righteously serves only God. Only God is the Almighty. Igor Mikhailovich, could you please clarify another question which people are interested in? A human has a personality, a soul and a body. And when the Holy Spirit is present in a body here, on Earth, does He also have a soul, a personality? Personality is already meant as a part of the Holy Spirit in a human, or somehow differently? 
A soul comes into a human and personality is already like a reflection on the eighth day. I said this in the first video. But when there happens, let's say, there is such a trendy word, reincarnation or manifestation. As a rule, in order to make it clear, the Holy Spirit uses a body which is doomed. For one reason or another, it cannot a child seems to be normal and everything else, but instead of a soul, there settles the one whom we call God's Spirit. This person doesn't have a soul and doesn't have personality, but he has consciousness. By means of this consciousness, he exactly communicates in the dead language. Thus, he uses an a priori empty vessel, meaning he doesn't take away life. Yet he often also uses people in everyday life, in his activities and so on. After all, he lives his life as an ordinary person and can be at various levels at that. In what sense? In various groups of people. Well, just like you live an ordinary life, you know some people here, some people there. In the same way, he gets acquainted with people and lives an ordinary human life, which is no different from others. But at the same time, he observes and listens. And when he remains unrecognized, when no one… Well, generally speaking, he sees that the body is already not quite good, but something can still be corrected, then this is corrected. But if not, well, as I've already said, God ends life, and God creates it anew, but already on a global scale. For this purpose he's here. It is also mentioned that he will come and denounce the world about sin and truth and about judgment, as for judgment that the prince of this world is condemned. Well, yes, and he will divide the dead and the alive ones. To put it simply, he will separate the alive from the dead ones. Such is his function. Here it is also said about the Holy Spirit that He is the source of holiness, the one who fills with vivifying life. And in Christianity, on the Feast of the Holy Spirit's descent on the Apostles, an event is commemorated, which happened on the 50th day after Easter, when the Holy Spirit descended on the Apostles and they became joined to one body. So this community of disciples became one body of Christ. What does this mean, to be joined to one body? And what does it mean, there is such a mention in the Old Testament, that the Spirit can take a man up in a body? And here a little human coma appears. What does it mean to take up in a body? The very idea, of body as such, is actually an allegory in the dead language. It meant, if we analyze this, it's like on the day of Pentecost, people joined one body. What does this mean? After they were sanctified by the Holy Spirit, the Apostles sort of joined one body. But it doesn't mean that they joined one body with their bodies or became this is an allegory, it is set for understanding of those who do not know what the Spirit is, who cannot come into contact with the world of feelings. It's an explanation for people who live by the mind, in whom the demon is predominant. It was easier for them to perceive this, while in actual fact it is nothing other than people who became angels during their lifetime, they inevitably become part of the spiritual world, meaning they joined that world. But again, through the Holy Spirit, if we look even at Jesus, I mean the story of Jesus, after all, Jesus' body was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit brought it up. He taught it, and He baptized it. Precisely through the Holy Spirit, Jesus worked miracles, right? Right. And the sacrifice was made by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, right? But it's not right through the Holy Spirit, yet by God Himself. And that's the point. And look how consciousness distinguishes the Holy Spirit as something separate. It already endows Him with some power of His own, with His own will. There can be no will other than God's will, right? There are two wills in the world, just to make it clear. Not a single human possesses will. Many will get indignant, and me? How come? What about me? Yet who is speaking in you? Or rather, who is speaking in the one who has now thought this way? It is exactly that one speaking, who holds his personality in slavery. It is his consciousness, meaning the demonic will or the devil's will. And there is the will of God, the inevitably dead and the eternal. That's the difference. While a human can choose between one or the other force, right? Between life and death. Also, in the ancient non-biblical teaching, the Didache, in chapter 1, verse 1, there are such words, there are two ways, one of life and one of death. Even back then they spoke about this, about the two ways and about the choice that the person makes. So the main point is not to make a mistake. And here the main thing is not to listen to your consciousness as to where you should go. It will prompt, but not in the needy direction. Igor Mikhailovich, there are also the following questions. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? In the Bible it is said that the Holy Spirit can descend on a person, but if the person begins to sin, he abandons him. Certainly. The greatest gift for a human is exactly the gift of the Holy Spirit, meaning the very presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift which God gives for a person, so that he gets strengthened by the Holy Spirit. For this is the only way the way to infinity, the way to life. And why does the Spirit abandon a person? I mean the Holy Spirit. Because a person starts listening to consciousness, gets carried away with something material, and begins to sin well in such a Christian understanding. While the Spirit doesn't like filth, He is where the alive ones are. He has nothing to do with the dead ones, because He is alive. And what descended on the Apostles? What is this manifestation? It's an angelic manifestation. I mean, it's again, so that the angels' presence or manifestation to people, the moment was emphasized here, when they described all this, it was so significant, and the Apostles were ready to such an extent, spiritually ready, spiritually strong, that their spirit prevailed over their bodies, and even the angel could manifest itself. When an angel manifests itself, it manifests itself in such kinds of fire pillars or spheres, but it is still a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, though a more dense manifestation, that disturbs our earthly environment, such a molecular disturbance. And what is the power of the Holy Spirit as such? After all, power is the reason for every action. And people ask, what is it? Inducement? Coercion? And here's an important point. This is never given to anyone by force. 
These powers come only when a person longs for them spiritually, no matter how much he wants to get them, with his consciousness. Yes, he can get some power. We will now touch upon this point. Well, basically, we have already touched upon it, unfortunately. These are the powers of Alat. Before it was called Alat. It is the power given to this world by God, through the Holy Spirit. This is the power that sustains all life here. It is the fire of life. Well, it is natural that the power emanating from the Holy Spirit is endowed with great opportunities. So there is Alat, anti-Alat. In other words, Alat supports spiritual life, while anti-Alat supports material life. So everything that is associated with and attributed to the demonic or temporary existence is like a reflection, a reflection from distorting mirrors of septons. I mean the reflection of the true light. In fact, a good description is given, it's just that I looked it up in the primordial Alatra physics report and used this expression. While that which creates all this is precisely the power of Alat, but the power itself is not endowed with a personal characteristic of Self-identity. While the Holy Spirit is surely the same kind of personality as in everyone who awakened himself, he is aware of this, but he has no hesitation, he has no… Well, what kind of hesitation can there be? He simply knows who God is, and that's it, he knows what this is. Well, how does he know? It's hard to say, again, I'm getting locked in our language to even express all this. Not because I have a limited vocabulary, by no means. I just wanted to say more than a human word can fit. There is another question from people. In the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8, there are such words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What does you will receive power mean? I will explain. You will receive power. It is exactly those powers of Alat which I talked about. When the Holy Spirit enters, He endows Personality with power. This power is exactly the power of Alat, yet just note how everything related to Alat, everything related exactly to manifestation of this power is being destroyed, even mentions of the word Alat were destroyed and are still being destroyed everywhere they are found, monuments and all the rest. Why? On the one hand, this power which is turned into anti-Alat, serves as a power for magic, for empowering a person's desires. Thus, a person, by accumulating the powers of anti-Alat, it's a reflection of Alat, can force the devil to fulfill his desires, to give material benefits. But here's actually a substitution, to force by means of what? Consciousness. Personality will never do that, only by means of consciousness. Hence, it turns out that consciousness, meaning the demon himself, forces the demon to fulfill something for him. Well, on the one hand, this is sort of a tangled situation, but on the other hand, there's nothing tangled, just a deception. Satisfaction of egoism, a temporary illusion, a dream, that passes very quickly and then reality comes, while reality is subpersonality when you cannot die and have nothing to live with. That's the trouble. Regarding subpersonality, at the beginning of the meeting you mentioned that Buddhism is the path of subpersonality. Many people won't understand why. A lot of knowledge has become religions. The most interesting thing is that the knowledge which Buddha conveyed has eventually become a religion of subpersonality, attainment of peace. This is amusing. 
Well, just to explain to people who, so to say, hear about such a notion as subpersonality for the first time, the after that fate, when human personality and consciousness, they merge into a single conglomerate, neither here nor there, let's say. Naturally, personality cannot be born again, and consciousness cannot enter God's world. Thus, people remain in that, well, as it was called in the past, hell and the like, meaning all these horrors of existence were described with one's emotions and everything else. And so, when Buddha was telling about subpersonalities, that after death a person who lived by the material world, by his desires and so on, well, not his, but the demonic, imposed ones, he failed to get liberated, he cannot go to God's world, he gets into hell, and he is tormented there, and Buddha was talking about peace. Oftentimes peace is granted, I mean, more often it is actually a gift. Because a person has done a lot of good, really a lot, but he poorly worked on himself, he didn't strive for God with his entire soul, not the soul, of course, but with his personality, he invested attention in wrong things, he still had material values, and he eventually becomes a subpersonality. Well, as it is said, there cannot be good subpersonalities, but a person has done a lot of good, and so peace is given to him, that is, he falls asleep, he's in peace, he has no material desires, no thoughts of this kind. Personality is separated from consciousness and peace comes. So Buddha was telling that, while studying, a person should first get to know this world, how thoughts come and so on, then achieve peace. And even when a person achieves peace, this is one of the first stages, that there won't be hellish torments, that it will be easier for a person. And that's what got established. Therefore they strive to achieve nirvana. Nirvana is nothing other than dissolution, meaning idleness. And the essence of Buddhism is exactly to teach consciousness not to desire, not to bother and to be calm. Imagine a teaching that leads to salvation, a teaching that gives a person an opportunity to become a bodhisattva in the understanding, let's say, of Christianity or let's say of Islam, one of the highest angelic ranks, quite a serious rank. And so a person exchanges the opportunity of becoming not simply an angel, but the one many steps closer to Allah Himself. A person exchanges that for wasting his life, so as to gain such a peace afterwards, in the after-death fate, such a quiet subpersonality that will not torment him. Imagine to what extent human consciousness or human demon distorts the knowledge given and brought by the Prophets into this world. If we ponder, this is amusing. By the way, Buddhism isn't the first religion. A similar situation was in ancient India and afterwards. Many people aspired to this, exactly to gain peace. And even in newer religions, such as, it is already traced as a gift that a person will gain peace after death. Peace is precisely this gift for subpersonality, not a martyred state, but a more calm state due to merits. 
Just imagine, understanding all this, you consciously waste life on becoming a subpersonality. When you have an opportunity to become an angel, all this is human consciousness. All this is precisely the dictatorship of the devil over personality. What do people come to when they don't understand elementary things and refuse happiness for the sake of sleep? Naturally, this happens exactly because and when the teaching is turned into a religion. And additions from the mind are made. Of course. So it turns out that in Buddhism, a person who is, let's say, working on himself to a certain extent in order for consciousness… His work exactly consists in curbing his consciousness. After all, again, the most terrible thing for a person, as I already said, is the state of subpersonality. It is when he is aware, just like now, but there are no arms and legs, and there is torment. He feels heat. Heat is really present, eternal heat. That's why it was often compared to blaze, to hellfire, to a scorching desert and everything else. Again, this feeling of heat comes from the powers of Alat, since consciousness is a material thing. And when a person resides, let's say, near, well, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit, but at least near the powers of Alat, he feels how even matter is getting hot, he feels this heat, he feels this heat, both in consciousness and inside, and his body starts burning of these Divine powers. Well, just imagine what an unprotected consciousness and personality experiences at that time when it has no arms, no legs, it cannot do anything. And this lasts from century to century. After all, consciousness detects the flow of time just as people here, just like we also do here. And so, to strive not to be tormented by desires, and in order to keep slumbering for thousands and thousands of years. Yet, why does this happen? Again, to support this life, martyred, let's say, a certain power is actually allocated, since they come into contact with it, with this power of Alat. It is the one that torments them. But again, it is the one that supports the system itself, meaning the devil's world through consciousness. And this is beneficial to the devil. For him, the fact that we feed him now, and we'll feed him after becoming subpersonality is the same. For him, we continue to be what? A simple cow, simple food. A battery. A battery. So who wins? The system by no means the world of God, because every subpersonality is an angel stolen from God's world. Do you see how dishonest this is? To deprive a person of an opportunity for salvation means to rob Allah. And what can be more terrible than to steal from God what belongs to Him? What do you think? Why do such after-death states occur? When Personality consciously, I'm saying again, consciously, chooses the mundane and temporary instead of the eternal, it steals, despite the fact that it is actually part of the Holy Spirit, but it is independent. And unlike the Holy Spirit, it has an opportunity to choose. The Holy Spirit certainly has an opportunity to choose, but he will never make this choice because he knows what God is.
for the spiritual path, discipline is important. When a person understands that he's not a body, that he's not a slave of the demon in his head, at this point people often have a question, how is it that I'm not a body? And until a person understands that the power of attention belongs to his personality, that the body is subordinated to his personality, not only the body, but also his consciousness first and foremost, this demon must be subordinate to personality, it must be a slave, and not vice versa, as it happens in this world. Human consciousness should be subordinate to personality. While we perceive ourselves in the sense that a human is what? These are my consciousness, my body, my, body, my liver. We already talked about this. But in reality, a human is personality, a spiritual being. It has come here not from this world. It is really so. A human has come here and has been brought here from the other world, the Eternal One. Right? Right. That's where he should live, having merged, having grown up and having gained life, while a body is a cocoon, a butterfly. No. It is just a cocoon where a butterfly matures from a larva. Here is a simple answer. Yes, what a person himself will choose. The freedom of choice. God is firm in His Word, and this is true. And what He does, He knows what He does. And what He says is as firm as He is, because He is God. And if a human is given a freedom of choice, it is given to him. No one has the right to take it away from him. A human himself chooses what to see in the mirror reflection. That is God's will. That is where the highest meaning is. People are sincerely interested and looking for answers to the questions, who is God in His integrity? How to get to know God? And what is the spiritual world? It is possible to feel the spiritual world when you come into contact with it. We already discussed this. Any contact, even the slightest one, gives boundless happiness and joy. And imagine to stay there. Consciousness will not perceive this. This can be perceived only spiritually. It's a boundless ocean. While for a human to know God, tell me, how can the dead know the alive? In no way. In no way. Of course. And it won't be able even to describe it. Why is there neither description of God nor anything? And how can you describe Him? He's boundless. You won't have enough colors and ink to describe Him. And words. And words all the more. So, you just need to feel. Igor Mikhailovich, there is also the following question. If the Holy Spirit is Personality, what gender is He? There are always debates. What gender are angels? About the Holy Spirit especially, it continues from time immemorial. What gender is He? Gender. Yes. And so everyone says, what gender? Male, right? And what is the reason for that? Well, to make it clear, angels and the Holy Spirit do not have gender. Gender differences occur only here. Again, we go back, let's say, to the stay of the Holy Spirit in a human image during earthly life. He really resided here, in a male image, always. Why? As I already told, and not only this can be found for the one who likes to read letters in human history, there is a lot of evidence of this. When the Holy Spirit resides here, He has to learn different levels of life, communicate with many people in order to look at and live through this life. Therefore, He can be in different conditions of His existence, let's say, from the bottom to normal existence within the human framework. But he is always in a male image, in a male body. 
The body is more enduring. It is much easier to… well, sort of conveniences, you see. I'll put it simply for you. You have to drive across a field. Will you get in a small car or an SUV? If across a field, I'll get in an SUV, of course. Simply put, in an SUV, right? That's the point, do you understand? But if he were to bring more love, he would enter a female image. Why? The feminine principle. And what does the feminine principle mean? And here we come across another phenomenon. Because the powers of Allah, those we talked about, initially prevail much more in a woman, and a woman is able to accumulate them much more in purity, because she gives life to another human. While for a male individual it's more difficult with the powers of Allah, he can feel them, but it's a bit difficult for him to accumulate them in such quantities. And here again, precisely human consciousness played an evil joke. Thus many began to oppress women, however, in ancient times, in all religions, and even if we open the Qur'an, people say, they do not respect women in Islam. It is said by those who don't know Islam, a woman is worshipped, she is respected, and very much respected. Well, everything is distorted. At that point they again confuse both spirit and power. People are people. The best way to figure this out is to study it yourself, to face and experience it. Then it all falls into place, everything becomes clear, everything is easy. You should simply work on yourself a little and not be lazy. Regarding the feminine principle, in the Bible the Aramaic word ruach is used to describe the Holy Spirit, it's a word of the feminine gender, that is, traditionally spirit is understood in the meaning of the feminine principle. Now I will explain that a little. Why? In the old days was the spirit more often treated as feminine, because the Holy Spirit gives life, just like a woman gives life. And this parallel and comparison were exactly related to that. That's the point. Although, in fact, the being is asexual until it enters a body, and when it's in the body, yes, there are already some differences, let's say, habitual to us. There was also the following question, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit gives life? This is not in the three-dimensional sense, is it? Let's begin with the fact that even in the three-dimensional sense, any life and any matter is driven by the Allah powers, if we delve into physics again. We have digressed a little bit now. We already discussed it in the first video. If we look at molecules, yes. if we look at what molecules consist of, we zoom in and in, what does the most basic matter consist of? It consists of energy. And what does energy consist of? Energy, that which energy consists of, as well as information, all that, we come to the Allat powers. And the Allat powers are, again, an integral part of the Holy Spirit. So we come to the feminine principle again. We do not touch upon the role of the conductors here. I don't think this should be mentioned in this video. I mean the service, in the highest, in the highest sense, such as the Mother of God Mary, and so on. This is this is the highest service that can be achieved by a human being. This is really so. Well, that's a separate topic. Now we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Although, if we look even at the history of early Christianity, after all, Mary and Gabriel were inseparable concepts, that is, Mary and God's power, right? A new understanding of the role of Gabriel, of who he is, both as the Holy Spirit and as the Allah powers, then everything becomes clear about Mary too. 
So, if we look at it, they were venerated together, right? Right. Everywhere they were portrayed together, kind of inextricably, in this sense. However, later on, human consciousness erased it all a bit, and instead of him they began to place a bit different ones. Although many people who feel those ones know, understand and venerate to this day. Interestingly, God has arranged it all. It may seem that a human has two opposite natures, the inherently alive and the inevitably dead one. And there is the third one, personality, who actually decides whom to be. And until it becomes someone, either alive or dead, it is neither one nor the other. Of course, it is hard to understand this by means of mind, by means of consciousness. In order to understand this a little bit, we can set up such a little laboratory experiment. Imagine, you have a candle burning. You lit a candle. It is burning. What will happen if you pour water on it? It will go out. Now we take the components of water. What does water consist of? H2O of molecules. Well, clearly, but if we decompose it, what does water consist of? Water is what? Oxygen? Oxygen and hydrogen. Right. Oxygen supports the fire of this candle. If we add oxygen, the fire will increase. If we add hydrogen, hydrogen is also flammable. The fire will increase. However, when we mix the two flammable components, we get that which extinguishes the fire. Look how interestingly God has arranged it all. Yes, it's really interesting. The participation of the Holy Spirit in the spiritual formation of a human is interesting, too. One more thing, after all, the Holy Spirit is the author of all holiness. Where He doesn't dwell, that one cannot be holy. Is God holy or not holy? He's God. He's God. Does He sanctify everything He makes or not? Meaning, when the Holy Spirit enters, it is holy. When He leaves, and it is no longer holy. It's no longer holy. Yes. Look how simple everything is. It's true. Gir Mikhailovich, you also said that the Spirit doesn't like filth. Let's say the Holy Spirit doesn't like shadows, and a shadow is nothing but a demonic manifestation. Even secret human thoughts are visible. If a person wants attainment, accumulation, rejoining or whatever it is called, while secretly dreams of magic, this will not be given to him. If a person wants to accumulate these powers, yet not for spiritual liberation from Satan's slavery, but again, to serve him by means of this vice, this won't be given to him, no matter how much he wants it. 
Of course, he may be endowed with some psychic abilities, show some tricks, but this is already from Satan. The Spirit has nothing to do with that. This has nothing to do with the spiritual. Nothing. The alive doesn't get mixed up with the dead. Igor Mikhailovich, why does human consciousness blaspheme? Why does it resent God? Why does it resent the Holy Spirit, as well as everything alive and everything holy in general? Well, this happens very often. In fact, when a person is faced with some inner manifestation, human consciousness begins to resent human consciousness as a demon, and a demon always blasphemes what is holy. As soon as it feels or hears, it begins to criticize. Well, up to an insult, we often come across this. The most interesting and paradoxical thing is that people come to their temples, they reach out with their souls, while with their consciousness they reject. Constantly many people, especially people who don't pay attention to their spiritual development, they are even more cruel in this. Well, they are the devil's servants. What can we talk about here? These are already those who are called dead people who bury themselves alive. They treat everything holy with hatred. Why? Because, as we mentioned, in their, let's say, consciousness, rejection still predominates, rejection of everything alive, since they know that they are doomed. Well, not people are doomed, consciousness is doomed. By dominating over personality, it precisely makes personality believe and think this way and put the power of attention, remember the previous video, invest this power of attention in blasphemy. Well, it's really awful, because the retribution is harsh. This is not intimidation, this is a fact. Well, what can you do? Nowadays, people have come to the point where only the dead is holy for them, unfortunately. But not everything is so bad. There are many good people, and very many people, almost everyone, are able to feel even the slightest manifestation. But sadly, they do not have inner eyes, spiritual eyes. Therefore, they don't see the obvious things, unfortunately. You've said that retribution is harsh. If a person invests the power of attention in blasphemy, in blaspheming God and the Holy Spirit, and what consequence will a person face? There is an interesting parable. It is medieval and quite gloomy. I warn you in advance. If you don't like it, you will remove it. Once upon a time a person got to hell. He got a punishment from the devil. The person had to wander in the desert forever, under the sun, being thirsty and so on. So one day, coming out in the middle of the desert under the blazing sun, he saw a skinless man on a stake who was under direct sunlight in the middle of the desert and didn't even have skin on him, not to mention any clothes. The person was dumbfounded. He looked at him and said, Okay, I deceived the devil. I made a deal with him, I robbed him, I did so much trouble with him, so he punished me so hard that I now have to wander in the desert forever. Only when I reach the edge of the desert, I can take a deep breath of moist air, 
Breathe at least for a little while, and then I have to turn around and make my way back. But what did you do to the devil that was so horrible that he punished you so badly by putting you here, under direct sunlight, even skinless? Me? said the punished man. Nothing. I didn't even know the devil. So what did you do that was so horrible? asked the wanderer. I thought badly about the Holy Spirit, was the answer. Well, this parable is surely cruel, not quite nice, but it has a deep meaning for human understanding. Unfortunately, but avenging angels are much more horrible than avenging demons. Therefore, this is not in order to intimidate people, but to explain and help them in the first place. You can blaspheme anyone, but do not blaspheme God. And never even think badly about Him. This is true. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 31-32, there are the words of Jesus Christ, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. What was meant by either in this age or in the age to come? Here it was meant neither in this life nor afterwards. Let's say there will be no life anymore. And it means that the torments will be kind of prolonged in the after-death fate. It's not right, maybe we shouldn't frighten people or anything. After all, people should go to God not from fear, but from love. From fear. We just come to fear, right? Right. So, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit means… Denial. Denial, in what sense? As priests describe it, who was already worthy to become part of the Holy Spirit, yet suddenly deviated from Him? Let me explain. Every living human is his part, for a human personality is already part of the Spirit. The one who renounces himself also renounces God. Yes, of course. Meaning, do not murder, as in the commandment. Do not murder, and first and foremost, do not murder yourself, for this is a sin that you will answer for. And the most interesting thing is that both personality and the demon answer in the after-death fate. For the system, meaning the demon, is beneficial, but not for the spiritual world, because power is wasted in vain. Well, let's not go into these details. Igor Mikhailovich, there are other questions that people are interested in. Can a person transfer the Holy Spirit to anyone in general? And what does casting out demons by the Holy Spirit mean? What does casting out the demons by the Holy Spirit mean? It is such an interesting question, yet it concerns everyone. When a person is being filled with the Holy Spirit, consciousness becomes silent, meaning it is casting demons out of consciousness first of all. That's when purification occurs. They got purified on Pentecost. They were purified. What was meant by that? When God's Spirit entered them, when they were ready to receive Him, when they themselves made a lot of effort in the first place, and when they were ready for this, they got such an opportunity, and He entered, and He just pushed these demons into the background. That's the point. We have also there is such an interesting topic. I've started talking about Pentecost again, and so on. This is the transfer of the Holy Spirit, meaning He gave, He transfers. Many priests, unfortunately, use this as well, saying that they transfer the Holy Spirit. But if you yourself don't have the Spirit, you cannot give it to anyone. That's the first thing. And secondly, who are you human to control the Holy Spirit? 
I emphasize, who are you, human? Everything is possible for God, but not for a human, until you are part of that world. However, endowment with power is possible. When a person is endowed with that very Holy Spirit who entered him, a person deserves this and gains a certain power. He cannot transfer the Spirit. All the more by laying his hands or feet, as some people do. It's not funny, it's true. Some put their feet on people's heads and transfer the Spirit or some of their holiness. But it's all theatricality. It's all for the mind and from the mind. Because power is transferred invisibly, the power that strengthens that part of the Holy Spirit which everyone has, and a person becomes stronger. And since he is stronger, there is more of him. Everything is very simple. Where you invest the power of attention is what you enhance. Everything is very simple. There is nothing simpler and there is nothing closer than the spiritual world, than God. And there is nothing more blissful and better than that. This is what people are here for. But the problem is that consciousness tells us something completely different. We must… There are worries, a daily routine, when can we do that? I'm busy from morning to night, I work. There is no time. Of course. And how do we build our lives? If we look, if indeed… I will return to the topic again. If we had… I'm not talking about Islam anymore, because many people might accuse. If we had one, let's say, not religion, but one community, I don't call it Ummah, I mean one community in the world, which lives for the sake of perceiving, let's say, the spiritual world, believe me, everything would be simpler. Yet now, consciousness arranges it in such a way that a person is busy all day long, especially since there's less and less time and people have no time for many things. It seems that a day is 24 hours, and a person is rushing about all day long. But from day to day he sort of has less and less time, and more and more worries are added. And it seems to a person that if he had time, he would go somewhere to a holy place and he would get filled up there. Question with what? With what? What would he get filled up there with, right? Or, for instance, I would have time to pray or to do something else somehow. Yet now I have a hard life, I'm unable, I have no time. Many actually think like this, right? Yes. People say, okay, there are monks, they are sitting there. Doing nothing. They have time to pray, yes. They do nothing, only pray to God. Well, there's no difference. Both a layman runs around all day long, busy with his work, and a monk thinks about the earthly while reading prayers. Both of them think about the earthly. But when a person is in God, when he really strives for Him internally, then he has time for all this. Nothing distracts him and nothing hinders, everything is very simple. We talked about this in the previous video. So, the point is that if there was a community of people, there would be more time for spiritual matters. And what do people actually have to divide? There is a misunderstanding, there is a dream, so to say, cast by the devil over human consciousness. If we look, and this is true, what do we see on TV? Sheer evil and violence. Material values predominate. And this is everywhere around. This keeps being imposed and imposed. We incessantly see evil that comes from people. Why? Demons don't sleep. 
And many people boast, yes, I am a demon and the like. This video will disturb many people, although again, not people, but demons in them. And people, sort of failing to understand, admit, we're smart, we actually know. What are you sectarians telling us, right? That's not the point. The point is that they don't understand who is talking in them. And their own consciousness has imposed on them that they will live long, that they have a lot of time, and there's nothing terrible, now you live, and then you will fall asleep. Death is sleep. Death is deprivation of sleep. A person sleeps here. He doesn't sleep there. Subpersonalities don't sleep and don't have rest. This has to be understood. Sleep is needed here. It's like a minute of reconciliation. A little rest from each other, so to say. While some people even strive and often ask questions, how do you sleep and so on, just have enough sleep. Right. And what are dreams? Of course, if you cannot hold on during the day, how can you use night hours? Personality doesn't sleep, it doesn't have such an ability, spirit doesn't need sleep, it doesn't get tired, it has no fatigue, a body gets tired. And again, there are chemical reactions, there are reason, therefore, a disconnection, let's say, of personality from consciousness occurs because the brain has to switch off, switch over to other functions. This is already physiology, but that's how it is designed. God gives a human respite, even from the devil, in order for a human to get liberated, at least a little bit. Why do people not use this? That's their choice. They actually strengthen the devil, and he becomes stronger every day. But, again, it's their choice. They can actively oppose him as well. God will not oppose the devil. Who is devil and who is God? That's ridiculous. It's the same as if speaking the language of sports, a world boxing champion would come, for example, it's like God, and beat a suckling baby. The devil. That's not fair. Therefore, the alive does not interfere in the dead. Thank you very much for the answer. It is really very simple and understandable to everyone. So, to this day, priests of various cults use the practice of laying hands while reading mantras and prayers. And it is believed that this way they can order, command and control the divine powers and even endow one or another person with the holy power. A person himself allegedly doesn't have to do anything, either work on himself or do his best. In other words, it absolutely doesn't matter what a person is like. But they reasoned through consciousness that someone poured something into him, and he thus became a kind of an exhaustible full glass. It is similar to pouring from a full glass into an empty one. And no matter how many empty glasses he fills up, he remains full. In one of the religions, in Christianity, for example, it is believed that this practice is given for the transfer of the Holy Spirit by laying hands and reading a prayer. And this practice came from the Apostles. It would be desirable to figure this out. What is true here? And what is the fiction introduced by priests for ruling the masses? Here we come across magic. In order for a person to see something and get impressed that someone allegedly possesses something, possesses some kind of magic, they lay the hand and read a special prayer, that allegedly human words are endowed with power. They're not. They have power only here. Yes, a boss can order a subordinate, or something else, one can hurt, or support with a word, but no more. However, it's unrealistic 
by means of a word, to order the Holy Spirit to enter someone. The Apostles would not do this. Simeon could do this. We all remember about Simony. He did that. It did take place. He even said that when he walked, his shadow that touched people healed them. And all this was promoted. Well, it's magic. No more. It is likening of the dead to the alive. No more. While the power which they endowed with, apostles possessed it, the Holy Spirit was really present in them. And they endowed and strengthened people with power. This is what we said, Alat. And here, some touch of hands or something else is pointless, because it is transferred, let's say, in a direct way to personality and strengthens it. Here neither distance nor time or space plays any role. And there is no need to create any impression on people. This is really so. It all takes place at the invisible level, while for those who want to liken themselves, who strive from their pridefulness to gain glory among people, they carry out some action. Why? Because they have no inner power. They have nothing to transfer, because they don't have it. If they had, they wouldn't do stupid things. Since they don't have it, but want people to kiss their hands, they play this theatre, they lay their hands or feet, supposedly read some mantras or prayers or something else. And supposedly something should descend on a person. And some impressionable people get impressed for a while. Well, the devil is devil, and everything is in his hands. When on his behalf people address demons, demons draw them all sorts of fantasies. And this happens. Well, they have their small world. So, they also have corporate relations there, let's put it so, of demons among themselves. But a person cannot order, while the prophets who came, they had an opportunity, they had an opportunity to ask God to endow the worthy ones with the Holy Spirit. Notice the difference, to ask God to endow another person with this gift. And what we read and see afterwards, that someone has received something from someone and shares it, right? Well, I'll pat you on your shoulder or on your head. Will you become smarter or what? No. Or will you get anything? No. The dead pats on the dead, dust pats on dust. What will you get? Surely dust. Right. Whereas if the alive pats on the alive, something may work out, right? In the previous video we touched upon this topic. Those who understand what I mean will understand now as well, right? Everything is simple. You see no hands or feet, nothing is needed, because there is something greater, much greater, than our limited habitat.
Also, Igor Mikhailovich, among representatives of various denominations, even within one religion, as we already said, disputes continue, among other things, about the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Some people interpret that Jesus was dependent on the Spirit because the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and drove him. They argue who is who, who is superior to whom, who is who is subordinate, and who is equal to whom. It's already because a comma was put in the wrong place. People like to confirm and elevate the importance of their prophets, bringing them closer to God and making them equal. I'm saying once again, God is one. He doesn't need assistance. Moreover, making someone equal to Him, whoever a person is, is blasphemy. As for whether they're dependent or not, well, of course they're dependent, without the Holy Spirit. Any prophet is just a human. But the Holy Spirit comes by the will of God. This, again, originates from God. And why did Jesus call Himself the Son of God? We already discussed this. Yes. Because all people are God's children. So Jesus came and showed this, and He talked about it. It doesn't matter whether He is the Son of God or not, or whether He is a prophet. Whoever He was, He told and conveyed the truth. God spoke through Him by means of the Holy Spirit. Is this not enough? Why exalt anyone, belittle anyone, or do something else? People argue about something that has no importance. Why? Because they live by consciousness. Consciousness always needs leaders, it always needs bosses. If we just look at anything you like, let's take the most perfect family. Someone is always a boss, while someone is a subordinate. Let's take a community. Someone is always a boss, someone is a subordinate. Some people, due to their pridefulness, want to be bosses. Everyone wants to be a boss. Everyone wants to rule. Whether they know how to do that or not, they want to. This need originates from the demon. The demon always has to be superior to everyone. Isn't that so? Yes, of course. And they apply the same thing to God's world. But it is different. It is here that we have bodies which may be stouter, shorter or taller. Here there is division. For the demon, all this has to be arranged that way. God has everything in its place. Well, we shouldn't treat the spiritual world so carelessly. Well, this is careless. In the same way, let's take service. If a person serves God, he serves God. For example, let's take priests. This is my view. It's a layman's view, from a side, so to say. How can there be bosses over a priest? He serves God. He has the only boss, God. And the only leader, isn't it so? It is. Surely. In the Church, as an organization, there should be some hierarchy, some order, as in any organization. But such an organization will never care about and will never serve God. It will serve itself. Isn't that so? It is. And since it will serve itself, it means it will serve whom? The earthly. And since it will serve the earthly, it means it will serve whom? The Prince of this world. Right? Matter. Of course, matter. Therefore, there can be no one above a priest except God, both in this world and even more so in the spiritual matters. Then a priest will say what comes from the Spirit. Again, whether it's an imam or a priest, there's no difference. He is a person who should himself contact God by means of that very Holy Spirit. And if he doesn't hear the Spirit inside, I emphasize, not his consciousness and not the demon, 
but precisely the voice of God, which should sound in him. This is what everyone who serves him should have, and if he doesn't have this, he will not lead people anywhere. No matter how he performs what is assigned to him, no matter how we assign, do and compare it all, it's impossible. That's how we have it, just like a canning factory. There's a recipe, there are machines, they have something else, conveyors and the like. But it's impossible to approach life this way. Life cannot be created this way. If that very Imam is not spiritualized, where will he lead to? To matter. Only to matter, because ordinary human goals will predominate in him. Greed and pridefulness will come from him. Isn't it so? It is. And if there is someone else above him, except God, except the Spirit, then naturally, if not this priest, then his boss will have all this. It's impossible to gather a thousand people, I emphasize a thousand people, where someone doesn't obey someone, like in the army or somewhere else. How can, excuse me, a sergeant, and this is precisely the role of an Imam, it is the one who is the closest to a soldier. Yes, he is a soldier himself, but he already commands. If a general has ordered him to do so, well, this is wrong. This cannot be and shouldn't be like this. This was precisely mentioned. Again, we are going back to Islam. There is no one but Allah. And why did I say an Imam? An Imam is the one who is ahead, spiritually ahead, the one who shares his experience, the one who helps, the one who has woken up and helps others. Not only does he help to wake up, but he also supports another person so that he doesn't wobble. That's when it is an ideal society, and people should not quarrel or argue whose religion is better, who is more important or something else. They should unite in the name of God. This is the only way. There is no other way. And as we talked about time, it is fleeting. And this is worth thinking about. This is true. When people have knowledge, everything is much simpler. But when there is no knowledge, then there is room for substitutions from consciousness. Igor Mikhailovich, there is another question. What kind of state it is when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? And is it possible to control or regulate it somehow? What does a person feel in this case? When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he feels happiness. Why? because he feels infinity, because he feels that love which emanates from God. Well, it's somehow not right for a person to control the Holy Spirit. Only God controls him. It is true. Consciousness distorts the knowledge through human pridefulness, and there appear different interpretations, inconsistencies, something is added from the human mind, while something is completely removed. Here is a simple example. In the main Christian prayer, the Lord's Prayer, there are such words, May your kingdom come. However, in ancient times, a number of copies of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 2, instead of the words, May your kingdom come, contained, May thy Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. So already in the first centuries there was such a discrepancy. And then there were small changes which led to the situation that a need for a prophet arose. But now the situation is much worse, unfortunately.
This is true. Today, everyone can see for themselves, if they stop lying to themselves. In the Qur'an, for example, in Surah 112, there are great words, He is Allah, the One, and there is none comparable unto Him, simply none. But again, human consciousness tries to equate, always tries to exalt. And to exalt what? The empty. That's why we live like this. We always devote attention. Again, we do not devote, but we invest the power of attention in all sorts of trifles, in all sorts of minutiae, right? God forbid, a pimple has appeared on my face. Oh, what a disaster! Isn't that so? Whereas the fact that, excuse me, you're empty inside is not a problem, is it? That thing I cannot hear, so let's forget it. Just like in the joke about that businessman, who wanted to sell his soul for a couple of trains with gasoline tanks, right? It's the same here. Igor Mikhailovich, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit will come and cleanse us? After all, He somehow cleanses or prepares a person for ascension to the Divine Life, doesn't He? No, it is not quite so. He doesn't cleanse or prepare. It's a little bit… there may be a bit of misunderstanding. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, excuse me, is not a cleaner who came, cleansed or something else. There should be a much deeper and more serious understanding, meaning when personality begins to feel that it is not a slave of consciousness, that there is some other world, at this point it begins to accumulate these powers, and it becomes much stronger. And when there comes this moment of development, of the part of the Holy Spirit inside a human, it becomes stronger. And what does cleanses mean? It subdues consciousness, we already talked about this. And then there happens what we call merging. The merging of personality with soul, when powers are accumulated. Naturally, a mortal human turns into an immortal angel, yet continues to reside even in this body. It doesn't mean that he died or escaped. No, by no means. It's just that such a metamorphosis takes place in him. Another question that can often arise among people. Does anything change in his external life? No, consciousness will keep barking, just like before, because its function is such. No matter how you train an ill-bred dog, it remains ill-bred anyway. Well, a demon is a demon. It throws in doubt and everything else, but a human becomes immortal. Why? Because this connection with God is never interrupted anymore. And it cannot be interrupted. For example, a person who even follows the spiritual path, he can fall. Yet can an angel fall? It cannot. Of course not, because it is already a part of God. Can God really degrade to such a dead state? Of course He cannot. That's the answer. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 3, there is a description of such an event when Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ at night and asked Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered, Truly, truly I say to you, unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And here we trace, because many do not understand, born of water, it is when you are born here, now born of the Spirit, it is when you are born there.
Игорь Михайлович, you have said you are there. Does this mean to be born of the Spirit in the spiritual world? I mean, by working on himself and redirecting his attention towards spiritual self-perfection, a person achieves the merging of personality with the soul during his lifetime. In other words, he is born in the Spirit and of the Spirit and begins to live by the spiritual world, right? It would be great to know in more detail what to be born of water means and what to be born of the Spirit means. Water, if we look at the core, is exactly what we mentioned when we talked about our travelers, who gave people this chance to gain eternal life. So, here a human should already be born, a second time, as they say, of the Spirit. After all, it is necessary to listen to the Prophets carefully and heed their words. But when the explanation of the interpretations they conveyed to their apostles, their successors or people is missed, then it is already interpreted kind of loosely. We speak to the extent we comprehend. How do you and I perceive water? We can drink it, we can wash ourselves with it. Hence, what does water do? It cleanses. It cleanses. And then I should proceed by means of Spirit. Yet cleansing comes precisely from accumulation of the Spirit, while the body stays here, even if it has never been washed. Who cares? Well, really, whether it was dirty or it wasn't, no matter how much you wash it. Well, I have seen many people who wash nearly ten times a day, but excuse me, I wouldn't like to sit at the same table with them, not to mention staying with them there, although their bodies are clean in the understanding of the body, while their spirit In the interpretations, it is also said that water is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Naturally, without the Spirit, no life can emerge in anyone even in an infusorian or an elephant, and even more so in a human. Water plays a major role in human life in this world, although there are even other forms of intelligent existence, that's not the point. But in this case, exactly what we talked about was meant. The first birth and the second birth. Yes. Also, regarding the same chapter of the Gospel of John, it contains the following words of Jesus, the Spirit breathes where He will, and you hear His voice, but you do not know from where He comes and where He goes. Thus is everyone who is born from the Spirit. And here again, with everyone born of the Spirit, well, clearly, but not quite born. It is said here precisely about a person who only begins to come across, who comes into contact with the spiritual world, and when he is in a, let's say, victorious state, when our Lord's flag is waving over him, then he hears the Spirit, then he communicates with him. But when the person has shifted the power of attention to something material and has not noticed, there is a different flag above him. He looks, and the Spirit is gone. And where he left and how he came, people do not understand in the end. However, when a person is already born of the Spirit in the literal understanding of this meaning, not the first one, but the second one, already in the true meaning, then the Spirit stays beside him as well. Where would he disappear? With such an interlocutor you can talk and communicate, so to speak. And eternity does not bore. Yes, eternity of Divine Beingness, eternal life of the spiritual world is constant and infinite, while earthly life is temporary, ever-changing and fleeting. The Holy Spirit, the eternal God's love, reveals eternal life 
as God's gift to a human and all humankind. The loss of this connection with God causes deep sadness and yearning for God. Eternal. The most paradoxical thing is that even those inveterate materialists and those who blaspheme Him, I mean God, the Spirit and whoever else, they feel a severe inner anguish. And the more diligently they serve Satan, the more they blaspheme, the bigger their inner anguish and loneliness are. They move away from the alive and become really lonely. But when people, we have already talked about it, abide in spiritual communication with the world of God, they're never alone. They always feel good and joyful, because there is happiness and there is someone to talk to. And what does it mean to thirst for the Holy Spirit? As you thirst for water, so must you thirst for the Holy Spirit. Well, this is such an allegory in the explanation that to what extent can you thirst for the Holy Spirit so that He enters you, so that something happens to you in a positive sense. Hence, there were such comparisons, just as you, your body cannot be without breathing, try to hold your breath. It's a need. The same is here, there should not be a desire, but a need to gain salvation. That's why all this was conveyed in such an allegorical way, people were talking about that. Also, Igor Mikhailovich, you have mentioned that every person is part of the Holy Spirit. Do you mean that every person is able to do this, to feel and come into contact with the Holy Spirit? Certainly, of course. Well, with the Holy Spirit, not only with the Holy Spirit, but also with the spiritual world, with God's world, with God. This is realistic, it's absolutely. Not only He is able to, He is obliged to do that. He must, that's why He is here. This is His primary and main goal. There is nothing more important. These are things that cannot be compared to anything, neither to procreation or anything else. This is the primary reason why a human is here. It is his essence, and it is where his freedom lies. There cannot be anything else. Well, again, a human gets distracted by what is temporary and loses the eternal. A human. In other words, the gift of the Holy Spirit is open to every person, regardless of his or her religious affiliation. It is interesting that in Christian literature there is such a phrase that this gift of the Holy Spirit is given only after reconciliation of a human with God. This is true. The Holy Spirit cannot enter a human and fill him up if he rejects God. For example, Islam, I return to it again, means reconciliation of a human with God, first and foremost, and of a human with a human. That is why there should be Islam in the whole world. I mean, people should be at peace with each other, and even more so, at peace with God. Then life will be different. Tell me, I have a simple question. Would you like to live in a world where there is honesty, fairness, peace, where you can walk at night anywhere, and except for help from other people, you will not experience anything, where you will not be insulted, robbed or kidnapped, where there is no war, no borders, where everything is honest and fair. Would you like to live in such a world? Of course. And who doesn't want to live in such a world? Everyone does, that's the point. Then why do we live in a different world? After all, this world should belong to people, and they are actually the creators of their destiny. Isn't that so? It is. Then why do they do something completely different? Why do they steal? 
from each other and exalt themselves in front of each other. I understand its pridefulness, these are demons, I understand it all. But where are you, people? Or am I wrong? Is it really difficult? It is not. It is very easy. And it is wonderful, because here it should be just like in heaven. Then the world will become completely different. Isn't that in human hands? And who is against it? If someone is against it, it means he's not a human, he's a rabid dog. Am I not right? You are right, of course. That buys other people, infects and kills them. Society must somehow protect itself from such humans. Well, those are not humans. Whereas a normal human, any normal, sane human, strives for peace, order, serenity and calmness. Isn't that so? It is. So why are we not doing that? A simple question. People cannot understand neither themselves nor the world. There is one more question that is related to the different understanding of worshipping God. And the reason for this was the lines from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus' words are cited there. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. What does it actually mean to worship God? Because consciousness associates it with some earthly bows or religious rituals, or even affiliation to one or another religion. I'll just clarify, where did bows and everything else come from? This came from the understanding that a human must worship in the Spirit, when by means of his Spirit he conquers Satan in his consciousness, and he compels even demon to worship God. You see, that's where a bow came from. He makes even his body, even his consciousness bow, before God, before His mightiness. Eventually they forgot about the main thing, and it's enough just to bow. Therefore, who bows? Matter, body, consciousness. Certainly. What is the function of the Holy Spirit here? Is it to reconcile a human with God, or to guide a human to God? If we consider the function of the Holy Spirit here in relation to God and a human, Everything becomes very simple. The Holy Spirit is an advocate, let's say, of the righteous, true believers who belong to God, and a judge of the infidels. This is His main function. If we consider it, but He's not an escort, by no means, He can strengthen, he can help when he is not rejected, but he cannot take someone by the ear, scold them and escort them. Everything is decided in a simpler way, and God grant we don't live to see such decisions. So it is better to try and live, as we discussed with you, at peace and when there is order, right? Is it really bad when people live in love? What is wrong with that? After all, it is easy. It's really easy if people want this, if they unite for the sake of themselves. I don't say for someone else's sake, for their own sake, for the sake of love for humankind. Banal love for humankind. Why should we, we people, create conditions for someone, 
For example, people live in their own country. Well, first of all, there is no such concept as one's own country or a foreign country. It is the world of people. But people have turned this world into the world of the devil, literally, and they have raised him. They can turn this world into a representative office or an embassy of God, right? This is easy. They themselves just need to become a bit, a little bit, God-loving. I'm not saying God-fearing. It is the devil who is God-fearing. They should become God-loving, right? Right. How can a child be afraid of his parents, his father or his parents? He cannot. He must love and respect them. Moreover, there is much to love and respect God for, right? Yes. Right. So it means you should not be afraid of Him, but you should love Him with all your heart. And since each of us is actually a candidate for a part of that world, it means we must love each other. Is it wrong? It's right. So why do we come to someone who lives somewhere and create conditions so that people are forced to leave their homes and rescuing themselves to move to other countries, to other territories and so on? Again, one's own, someone else's. All this should belong to people. All of this is theirs. It's not a utopia, it's not some utopian communist idea of some communes, by no means. This is normal, natural world. That should be. Where everything should be fair. Where people should love each other. Where people should respect and take care of each other. And think first and foremost not about their profit, or exaltation. But think about their brethren, think about when you improve someone else's life, you improve it for yourself. But in our case, it's the other way around. We improve it for ourselves. And when we improve it for ourselves, we forget about others. Of course, it's difficult to understand this fact, why people do that. Well, it's clear, it's known why. But why don't they want to do it differently when they want this? Is it difficult? And here everyone thinks, what can I do alone? Note that consciousness has divided them even in this, and everyone thinks that he is the only one who wants this. But let him say who doesn't want this, who doesn't want this world. Everyone wants. Of course. And for the sake of this world and this freedom, many people go and die, give their lives. Why? Make it so that you have to give your life without starting to live so that everything remains the same or gets even worse. It is also unclear why people divide. I don't know. Their religions. Well, it is clear why they divide religions. But why do they divide wars of the Prophets given to them, using some commas of theirs, and then they fight for that? This is totally ridiculous, really. It is no secret that we are now living in the era of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is now here. This means that humanity has only two paths, either the path of the truth, which destroys illusions and restores the truth. And of course, this path requires participation of every person, but it is also the best path for people, the path that grants manifestation of the Holy Spirit and grants thousands of years of infinite happiness to many generations, or another path, the path of people's inactivity. This is called the last era. 
In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, it is said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and shall be in you. Why does Jesus say, the world knows him not? Because prophets come and declare themselves openly. While the Holy Spirit, just like all of us, is living among us, existing, He is really here, He resides among us, and so on. In the last time, this is His function, so to say. And since we say that all the prophets have gone, and Muhammad was the last one indeed, there can be no more religions, and the last chance remains for humanity. So here the Holy Spirit has to reside, and He should look at what people will choose. What you and I were talking about earlier, the wonderful world, or that which is now. Well, and speaking the language of economics, we sort of keep developing this business, or we close it, because it's unprofitable. Well, since the Holy Spirit is both the advocate and the judge, we talked about this too. His function is to separate the dead from the alive. There is a meaning in this as well. Another interesting thing is that he will be hidden from you, meaning he won't shout about himself loudly. One who sees, who has spiritual eyes and sees him, who has spiritual ears and hears him, one who accepts him, that one knows who he is. Such a person will see, recognize and come to him, and will serve the spiritual world just like he does. After all, the Holy Spirit is busy with serving God, because God is one, in His greatness, right? The Holy Spirit cannot serve anyone else. In the same way, people should serve God, but it's more fun to serve together, and so on. To build such a world, just like you and I were dreaming, where people love and respect each other, where they live peacefully and rejoice. I said in the previous video that life brings only joy, joy and pleasure. In the same way, life here should also bring joy and pleasure. We should eliminate sorrows from our life. And this is easy, and people can do that. This is what all of us should strive for. That's the point. As for those who don't see Him, well, they don't see Him, and that's fine. They don't see Him, and He will also pretend that He doesn't see them afterwards, right? And He's no longer the advocate, but already the judge. Do you see how simple this is? We ourselves choose both our destiny, here and the after-death destiny. Most often, due to pridefulness, nothing prevents a person from seeing Him except a person's pridefulness. How can I? I'll exalt myself. I'll exalt myself over this one or that one. Or how can the Comforter or someone else, they say differently in different religions. How can he come to another nation or in another country? They forget that. God conceals the truth. Why does he conceal it? He conceals it not in order for those who are able not to see it. He precisely covers and doesn't make it visible. After all, he sends a prophet visible, whom people should see and through whom they should hear. While the Comforters, are not prophets, not at all. They do not bring the teaching, no. They speak of what was in scriptures, they know the essence of scriptures, you see. I mean, those who come, they won't tell you where and what comma is put or something, this was written by people, but they know the essence of every scripture. 
and they come here in order to restore this essence. If people don't heed it, reject it, and reject the Comforter, they remain with what they have. That's the choice of people, right? But many actually say that, since Jesus said, the Comforter has to come, He must come among us, or let's say another nation says, He must come among us. Yet what's the difference if we are all one? It is us who divide by color. We divide by speech, by language. We divide by some status. We do everything to the devil's dictation. We keep dividing and dividing. But what do we unite by? Do we unite each other by anything? Name at least something. It is possible to unite only by the internal, only by the spirit. It's the only thing that gives unification. Everything else gives division. Even in those unions which people arrange, there is still division, right? Yes. And they still separate each other. They always fight for their status and struggle for something. Whispered by the devil. But why? Maybe let us live. While we act like mice, we chase and torture. Whom do we torture? Ourselves, first and foremost. Right. And we ourselves suffer, of course. We actually build this life. We create it and we build problems for ourselves. We say, we do everything for children. Yet what do we leave to our children? Yes, we earned some money and left it to them. But what does money have to do with this if we leave them empty and bare? Whatever we give, in any quantity, we haven't given them the main thing, we haven't given them life. We gave them temporary existence. Let it be even some well-to-do existence or something else. Well, some people have succeeded in that, others haven't. That's not the point. What kind of a world have we left for children? And what could we have done? We could have made a wonderful world where there are no hungry people, where there are no drug addicts and drunkards. After all, why does a person drink alcohol? He drinks it because of pridefulness, first and foremost in order to rise and exalt himself. That's what it gives. Alcohol and drug addiction is lies. It is self-deception. And everybody knows this. In fact, when a person is spiritually free at least a little bit, he will never take alcohol or drugs, he doesn't need them. Not because of something. Everything that alters consciousness, everything that strengthens the power of consciousness over personality, he will never take it. Why would he? to reinforce illusions. There are plenty of illusions around anyway. Wherever you look, illusion is everywhere. That's the point. Ingrid Mikhailovich, and how can a person recognize the Comforter? In the same way as the Holy Spirit, only through his inner world. This is very easy. You simply shouldn't reject what the soul feels. Well, it is personality that feels, not the soul. It's a wrong expression. You shouldn't reject what personality feels. While consciousness will resist, it certainly will. This is its function. If you don't understand this, and if you listen to consciousness, you will not learn anything, you will not see anything, and you will just remain with consciousness. Yes, as people actually say, the human world is divided into two categories, those who accept the Holy Spirit and those who resist Him. But there shouldn't be these two categories. There should be one category — people. God's people. Have you heard such an expression? Yes. That's exactly how it should be. And it depends on everyone, on absolutely every person, whether it will be like that or not. What is needed? To wake up and to awaken another person, right? If you strive for this. But if you resist it, then admit that you are the devil's servant. Just admit it honestly to yourself. And you yourself create your own after that faith. People say, who knows when that death will come? 
this moment will pass, and there will be death. It is much closer. I'm not frightening you, I'm just explaining that time is a relative concept, just like space and everything else. And this life is nothing more than a dream or illusion. It flies by in a flash, whereas that which remains will last very long. There will be time to change your mind and to comprehend, but it will be impossible to do or correct anything. It is interesting that in the Epistle of James there is the following quote, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. It's a good quote, but for people it will be too difficult to understand. As a matter of fact, James specifically says here that the one who loves this world more than God will remain in this world. Well, this is in brief. Again, we go back to the point that the one who invests the power of attention, or let's call it correctly, the one who invests the powers of Alat in earthly material matters, devastates himself and remains with this material world. Whereas the one who invests the powers of Allah through his personality in strengthening the spirit, becomes spirit. Everything is simple. Here we have introduced such a concept as investment of the powers of Allah, the power of attention. We have just called things by their proper names. This was known from time immemorial. This is the power of Allah, we already discussed it. It's the power which a human is endowed with. It is given, it comes from the soul, exactly along what we call the silver thread, this thin connection of personality with the soul. If personality will not be nourished with this power, well, everything has to be nourished, everything has to live, while the Source is exactly God, that's why He is One and Omnipotent, because everything originates from Him. And again, where does the Holy Spirit take the powers from? From God. I would also like to ask you about the silver thread of a human. Could you please tell us about this direct connection of a human with God through the soul in more detail? How to expand, how to strengthen it so that merging of personality with the soul takes place in order to revive an angel in oneself? Having this connection, personality is still separated a little bit. This connection with the spiritual world is very thin and it expands when personality begins to invest these powers in the feedback. This very feedback brings personality closer every day with every, so to say, new investment and new effort. If this is constantly supported, this connection strengthens and the spiritual world reveals itself more and more. And at one fine moment when, let's say, personality is almost ready to merge with the soul, here the Holy Spirit always comes to the aid, because there is a call. And here He already helps, and He revives life. That is, He creates an angel. He participates in this. It is God who creates. I'll put it more correctly. While the Holy Spirit participates. But this is pleasant for Him as well. 
What can be more pleasant than an angel? And just look how everything, the system duplicates it all fractally. We rejoice at our children. But the trouble is that we rejoice, yet we can often be dissatisfied, and there often arises in us, where does it arise from? Because a newborn child gladdens his parents. Not always, of course, to be honest, but it gladdens. Well, and again, a game of consciousness arises here. The devil begins to detach. In a child his consciousness is manifested, and in parents theirs, contradiction and misunderstanding take place. Just like between us in this world. And again, the one who is stronger is right. Later on everything changes, and then children hate their parents, while parents take offense at their children. Everything is so tangled in this world. Yet, can everything be changed? It can be. Not just can, but should be. And the faster, the better. Inger Mikhailovich, you've just mentioned that when personality is ready for merging, then there is a call. Does this call come from the spiritual world? Well, this call goes to the spiritual world, and not from the spiritual world. From the spiritual world only one call may come, for reconciliation. However, it is always the last one. If people themselves don't understand, if they contradict themselves, then this call takes place. But it may be, let's say, like a cry of a person in a desert. It may be unheard, or it may be heard. Again, the choice remains with people. They can hear, but not react. Or they can react. Right? Right, and change everything. By oneself and for oneself. The choice remains with a human. A human is a free being, and he is entitled to choose. Right? Yes. The greatness of God is exactly in the fact that He endows even a human with freedom. Here an expression is well applicable. Feeling a call of an angel in your soul. Thank Allah. Hearing a call of Satan, seek refuge in Allah, the Almighty. This is quite to the point. If you yourself don't cope with something, ask the spiritual world for help. But again, when you don't cope with your consciousness, and not with someone else's. Otherwise, it's already a call for magic. It's an exploitation of God, and this is impermissible. Or it's an improper use of the Alat powers, which is also impermissible. I will say, taking into account what I said earlier, a dirty body must not be washed with Allah's blood, you will get burned. That's the point. Igor Mikhailovich, after the release of videos with your participation, after reading the book Alatra, 
After understanding of those truths which were revealed and given, a deep insight and understanding of the simplicity of one truth and the spiritual path to God has come, and the spiritual grains of this path, which are given in Holy Scriptures, have become clear. Because before there was certainly a difficulty in understanding, it was difficult to see the grains among numerous chaff, among what was introduced from human consciousness. Frankly speaking, there was just a mess in my head. It was even difficult to understand what is right and what is wrong, how to figure everything out and understand where you should go. How can you come to God? Therefore, all this has exactly become a key to understanding the essence of true knowledge. Everything is actually simple, as you can see. You just shouldn't lie. And first of all, to yourself. And having obtained the keys, the main thing is not to lose them or not to exchange for something momentary. Right? Right. In the New Testament, it is said that God's Spirit is contrasted with the earthly force as a direct action of God. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my Spirit. And it is interesting that not by force, nor by strength, but by God's Spirit. Yet what are people always accustomed to? What is force? It's an army, it is something else. And… Right, some external manifestations. Of course, everything external, everything earthly, that which we are accustomed to, we are actually guided by this everywhere. And again, you and I were talking about building a new society. But in fact, it is not a new society, it's the kind of society it should be. As for me personally, I would like to see such a world. I would really like to see it with my own eyes, ordinary, earthly ones, to behold it in reality, how people have gathered and built a world which is worthy of living in, not only for people, but into which the Holy Spirit could also come, or that very Comforter, not in order to judge people, but in order to rejoice. Can you imagine how wonderful this is? From one joy into another. It's the same as to come, I don't know, to a kindergarten, well, in an earthly understanding, even not to a kindergarten, I would say, for instance, to come to a maternity home, to a chamber where there are a lot of babies. This touches a deep chord in your heart, doesn't it? Thus awakens these maternal powers. Well, maternal powers are exactly the powers of Alat, that which is given, that which prolongs and gives life in the human understanding. Isn't it pleasant? It is. Imagine how God would love this world and how He would distinguish it among other worlds. I think it is worth applying a little effort for the sake of God's love, right? And for the sake of preserving this world, it is worth it. I would really like to see this kind of world, the true one, the way it should be. Right. And everything depends on people themselves, on everyone. Only on them, of course. No one will come and do that instead of them. No one will build anything. People should do this. Powers and opportunities are given to them for that. It's just that they spend them not where they should. They spend them on the earthly. Yet maybe they should spend them even on the earthly, but efficiently, so as to gladden God and rejoice themselves. Right? Right. 
So it turns out that the powers of Allah are given to a human for spiritual development, and responsibility for using them lies with personality itself. Certainly. A human is the only one responsible for his deeds. That's exactly a person's freedom and his choice. However, for everything he has done, he gets what he earns, right? Yes. Well, just imagine, if people have built a world that will gladden God, and how will God treat everyone who was building this world? At what level will He put such a person near Himself? If God will distinguish among all worlds the world built in love, this is worth pondering, right? Right. Is it possible? It is possible. But the other scenario is possible too. Everything is up to people's choice, to leave everything as it is. What will the devil lead to? To death, to torment and suffering. Sensible people will understand, simply looking at the world and at what surrounds them, right? Yes. Here there's no need to prophesy, there's no need to prove anything to people. People themselves should see and know what is happening outside their window, what is happening in their hearts, and what is happening in their consciousness. Right? Right. Igor Mikhailovich, today we talked about the Holy Spirit, addressed the scriptures and various quotes. And so, an understanding comes that the true understanding of the Holy Spirit, His importance and that spiritual help for people which comes from Him, meaning everything that relates exactly to the practical part, to a person's development in spirit, without mediators. All this is thoroughly concealed. As for what has remained, it has been complicated a great deal by consciousness over centuries. When you read the scriptures, there is an impression that the system hides something most important, something most valuable, precisely that which reveals a way to real freedom for a human. In religious literature, it is hard to find these understandings, this simple, practical way of gaining God's love, gaining of the Holy Spirit. They are available. These understandings are available, and the true words of the Prophets have been preserved. They are simply covered. Per one word of the truth, there are ten words of lies. This does exist. Well, when a person really gets imbued with the Spirit of freedom, so to say, and starts looking, not with his earthly eyes, but with the inner eyes, then whatever he opens, he will always see the truth, where something is given from God and where people have added. Then he will be able to freely read anything he likes, to read it as the truth, rejecting human nonsense. This is not difficult. So, by opening up internally and sincerely, every person can feel the Holy Spirit and find a grain of the truth even among numerous chaff. Of course. After all, words of the Prophets do not die. People try to… not people, but demons, who control people, try to distort and conceal those words. But the truth is the truth. The truth, like a manuscript, doesn't burn.
Ingrid Mikhailovich, today you have touched upon the topic of the feminine principle and the mother of God, that originally more of the allot powers are inherent in a woman. Of course, it would be desirable to learn more about this inner purity, about the mother of God. Is it possible to expand more on the topic of the mother of God? In this video, I wouldn't like to talk about the mother of God, because this is true service and it requires, let's say, more time. But I think this can be discussed when people understand at least what service to God is in general. As for the service in the highest meaning, it is difficult and simple at the same time, but it is noble. Today we have learned a lot about the Holy Spirit and what kind of a general idea and definition can be given of who the Holy Spirit is. Regarding the Holy Spirit, the definition of who He is, once, to tell the truth, it was long ago, one person gave a correct definition, in my opinion, is the most accurate one. It happened when two people were sitting on one of the mountains, talking and looking at the water surface. Basically, they had the same conversation as we are having now about the Holy Spirit who He is, what He is, and so on. And the man said, I understood, the Holy Spirit is the blood of God, the sacred blood of God. So gaining of the Holy Spirit is gaining of that very sacred blood. If we ponder over this, it is profound. In what sense? The Holy Spirit is actually not a Divine Essence, but if we remove the Holy Spirit, or remove God, and there is no Holy Spirit, such a unity takes place in this understanding. And when a person is endowed with the Holy Spirit, who does he become? The one who is of the same blood, right? Yes. In this understanding. But it's in our earthly understanding. This is interesting. This is true. Well, this has nothing to do with… With material blood. With material blood, yes. But in fact, this is the most profound explanation of who the Holy Spirit is. Such a comparison may be drawn. Well, if we imagine this, it's like our hands. Every finger is sort of a religious trend, branch or denomination, and everyone argues whose blood is better. Imagine. And they are divided, and each of them separately is weak. But what will happen if they join? If they just decide and join together, they gain strength while they have one blood and one essence. Right? Right. I'm saying this to the point that this world can be made strong, spiritually strong, but only when people stop listening to those who divide them, Notice, I'm not saying when those who divide will join. Demons will not allow this to happen. But people are able, again, by that very power of the Holy Spirit, to become stronger and simply not to listen to these demons, right? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. There were a lot of those who divided, but none of them is near God. This should be pondered over, no matter how they exalted themselves here. 
This is just a temporary mirage. In the Old Testament, there is such a mention by different prophets that a time will come when the Holy Spirit will pour out on people. And there are disputes regarding where this will happen, in what part of the world, how this will happen, and what that will be. Well, let's say, if we approach this understanding correctly, this will happen when that world will manifest itself. Note, that world will manifest itself, which you and I were talking about, in unity before God's world. Can you imagine this? We were talking about it earlier. The Holy Spirit is among people and He is in every person, but in abundance. And here it is exactly said, pour out, that is, it will be given on top of that, this indicates that people, while still being here, in their bodies, will experience happiness, the happiness of the boundless world, only when they succeed to unite, and when they all become faithful to God, all of them. This is possible, and this is easy. Thank you. Abundance and outpour of the Holy Spirit on everyone signifies the advent of the era of the Holy Spirit, the era when the entire humanity will restore Eden on earth by building an ideal society and thus will restore the lost connection with God, will live in God's love and serve the spiritual world. And this is what we've been talking about now. And many people heard about it. But in order for everyone to hear, it depends on everyone. Everyone who understands this essence can convey it to another person. And if they are imbued, they can do a lot. Everything is given, and they will get support and be strengthened if they want. This is possible. Right? Right. And this desire and aspiration is manifested internally. The main thing is for people to be strong in this choice. And this strength depends on their choice. And here indeed, you don't care about yourself, but you care about all. Here, everyone, no matter what he does, no matter what position he is in, or who he is here, he can serve God as much as it is possible for a human. What can be better than to grant God not an individual angel, although this is very important, but to manifest a world? And this is possible. 